long. It is Thursday, the 12th or 20th of February. I'm trying to go backwards in time there. And you are listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and thank you for taking the time to join us. We hope you'll enjoy tonight's show. Got lots to talk about tonight, kind of across the board. Uh, and we'll hint at a few things we're going to be doing in the uh, next few shows where we're kind of kind of augment ourselves a little bit. Believe it or not, sometimes the hardest time to get guests on the show is uh, the last week of the regular season because conference tournaments are taking place, coaches are busy with things. So we will uh, we'll just keep you abreast of most of that as we move forward. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us uh, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsvilla at d3hoops dot, or d3sports.com. I keep forgetting that change. Um, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also uh, join us on Facebook and YouTube where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash hoopsville and youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Those two places where we have a chat room going on the video, I try and monitor it. It's not always foolproof, as they say. Um... So there you go. That's how you do it. And we hope you'll take advantage of it. I know lots of people like to tune in and watch. We also know a lot of you watch on the archives and whether it's on demand or whether it might be uh, a podcast, we certainly appreciate your attention. If you feel like getting in touch with us for a question on a later show to answer or maybe answer off air, you're welcome to do so. We will certainly try and take those questions as well. Second regional rankings are out. We'll talk about those in just a moment. Of course, um, the third regional rankings are going to be kind of the drop dead of understanding where things are. Um, but at the same time, there's plenty to talk about. So they've given us a better sense of where things are. If you happen to tune into Sunday's show where <clears throat> Bob, Ryan, and I went much longer than anticipated, you got an idea of where the committees are probably going to have to find themselves hedging uh, themselves a little bit, trying to figure out where they're going to where they're going to go with things. Whether you go with a team with a high winning win loss percentage and and maybe uh, not a great SOS, or do you go with a team with a stag staggering SOS number but a okay win loss percentage, and and some of the other data that comes with that, I think we saw from the committee that they're somewhere in the middle. I, I don't think they're they're all the way to one side or all the way to the other. Uh, if they were all the way to the SOS conversation, Oshkosh, for example, would be a lot higher in the regional rankings, and teams like St. Joe's and Yeshiva and all those would be a lot lower. If they were fully on board to the idea of just wins-loss percentage versus SOS stuff, and, and I know there's other criteria, then they'd be swinging teams like Yeshiva even higher or St. Joe's even higher or, or other teams. So um, I think they're somewhere in the middle uh, is the best way I can describe it. I mean, Brockport being number one, in the East region isn't overly shocking. The East region is not all that deep. Right now, if we were selecting, I don't know if Rochester at the four spot gets in. Hobart at the three is probably right on the border, now, depending on who you talk to and about the data. And, and I don't have all the data in front of me. I, I have most of it, but this is kind of off the top of my head type of thinking. Whereas in the Great Lakes, for example, we might get down to six or seven. Six is at Wabash with seven losses. So it really depends. Uh, you go back, look at the Northeast, for example. Um, lots of losses. Colby sitting in the five hole. That's why I think it's in the middle. I, I think St. Joe's and Colby, you could argue, could be higher, but their SOS is dragging them down. Um, 
So it's it's a it's an interesting debate. That said, Colby and St. Joe's are ahead of Amherst and Brandeis and all those with staggering SOS numbers. So um, that's kind of where it all sits. On the women's side, really kind of felt um, like we would expect it to. Nothing really jumped out at me as being shocking. Um, I, you know, Baldwin Wallace being ahead of DePaul and Transylvania, no surprise. There's a strong SOS gameplay there, and there's a difference of one game in the win-loss percentage. I don't think it's that staggering. The Mid-Atlantic is certainly interesting, but not shocking in any way. Albright is getting hurt because of its SOS. And this is where I think things are being played out pretty even-handedly. So it's really interesting. And um, I don't know how – certainly on the D3 boards, there's plenty who are still catching up to how this all works. And um, we continue to educate as there's always new people. Uh, we'll look at the top 25s in just a moment on how they've done so far, but uh, really a quiet week. Last couple of weeks, right in the middle, has been rather quiet. It's the weekends that have been more fascinating. Our uh, our fundraiser continues, as we mentioned. We'll go through probably Tuesday, March 2nd. Or, I mean, sorry, Monday, March 2nd is when we'll probably wrap it up after our selection show that evening. Unless some people encourage us to go further and raise the uh, raise the goal. But our goal has been raised, as I promised it would be. We were at 5000 through the last show, and I said it would be raised. It's up to 7500 now, and we're halfway there. Uh, we are at 3,700. Um, that is a new total after double checking uh, where it stood. It might have been slightly off last show. Um, but we got a number of donations after the fact as well. So I want to thank everybody who's donated. Really appreciate it. And uh, this is where we sit now at 3,700, trying to get to 7,500. This is stuff that will help us push this show into the future. It'll help us pay some bills, uh, even mortgages. It will also help us get to Atlanta, possibly, that decision we've made after the conclusion of this fundraiser, to be blunt. Uh, we want to get to Atlanta for the championship, but it's also possibly a work weekend for us, so that's kind of where we sit on things. Let's talk about guests coming on the show, and then we'll get to any questions that you may have, and you may have popped up. I'm quickly checking the chat boards. Nobody's gotten in there yet. And don't be afraid. Let us know. We'd love to uh, answer your questions if you got any. But let's talk uh, guests on the show this evening. Um, oh, I keep trying to pause it. There we go. We are going to start off out of Eastern Nazarene. Uh, Sasha Satamano will join us from Eastern Nazarene Women's Basketball. She's in our WBCA Center Court segment. We're going to talk about how the program is giving back to their community in community service efforts and fundraisers. Talk to her about that. Also, Eastern Nazarene, uh, regular season champs in the NECC, despite my tweet earlier in their old GNAC. In the NECC, we'll talk to her about the accomplishment. Matt Hunter from York Men's Basketball will join us. They've clinched the regular season title, I believe, for the CAC, or at least a share of it, with Christopher Newport. We'll talk to him about the importance of that, playing at home, especially if they can avoid going to Christopher Newport. We'll also talk to him about the fact that it's York's final season in the CAC, right? Or is it next season? I always get that one backwards. I'm going to have to double-check it before we go on the air with Matt. Uh, there's been so much movement in in, New England, in the Northeast that you, you tend to forget uh, where things stand. Kevin Broderick will join us from Nazareth Men's Basketball. They're on top of the Empire 8. They have clicked, clinched the regular season title, uh, though they've got a game with St. Um, they they're a game up on uh, St. John Fisher with one to play against St. John Fisher, so they could technically end up in a tie, but I believe Nazareth will be the top seed in the Empire 8 tournament. We'll talk to him about his squad that is certainly playing well. And Shannon Rosenberg will join us from Linfield. 
Linfield's in the catbird seat, kind of. Uh, they play both the Wits in the Northwest Conference this weekend. They'll play Whitworth and Whitman. Whitman and Whitworth played earlier this week, and Whitworth beat Whitman at Whitman for the first time in forever, assuring themselves of the number one spot. But Linfield could move into the number two and be ahead of Whitman, which may play a, a significant role for Linfield. Uh, the last time they lost was actually the win. The last time they they played with the Wits, but that was on the road. This time it'll be at home. So we'll talk to Coach Rosenberg about well, maybe up, upsetting the apple cart, possibly. And yes, pun intended, uh, up there in Northwest United States. We'll talk to him coming up. Plus, answering your questions as well. Again, you've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, you can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on the chat boards. Uh, I see some old friends of mine actually joining us on Facebook and such, and I welcome everybody in. Uh, let's see. Don't I did get a question from Yeshiva. This one I answered offline, but I can certainly bring it up now. Yeshiva certainly getting plenty of attention for good reason. Forgive me, I just misplaced the email as I went there. Nope, that's not it. Well, here it is. So the original question was, it's really amazing to see. Oh, no, that's the, oh, here we go. First, uh, sec, first of all, I love the show and try to listen all the time, which I appreciate from the uh, fine rabbi. He says, second, I'm a huge Yeshiva fan and want to know what my expectations should be going to the tournament, assuming they win the Skyline or get a Pool C at large bid. Can a team with little NCAA tournament experience with a win a few games or has a tournament been dominated by experienced teams? Well, anybody in Division Three would probably agree that it's a mix. How many times have we seen a UMAC team upset a St. Thomas or a St. John's? Of course, my alma mater pulled off the biggest, one of the biggest upsets in Division Three history when uh, Goucher defeated the defending national champs, Lebanon Valley. Remember, Goucher had never played in the NCAA tournament. They had won the Capital Athletic Conference two years in a row, but the, second, uh, the first one was a non-AQ. The second one was an AQ. So... Uh, they defeated Lebanon Valley, though, lost to Wilkes in the second round of that tournament in 1995. They didn't have any experience and got one of the biggest wins ever. St. Mary's had very little experience when they beat Guilford. Um, everybody remembers that upset. Uh, they kind of, the next year, St. Mary's was a little bit um, off their game, but the, it, it helped open up the door because the following year, two years later, that's when St. Mary's went on its incredible run of several years, though we don't talk about St. Mary's much anymore, unfortunately. So, yeah, you don't, you don't necessarily need experience. A lot of times it comes down to the best prepared team. And a lot of times, how many times have we seen teams that are just not prepared and not ready to play? And we see that often. So, good, good question. Appreciate it. And we answered that off air as well. But if you have questions, you're welcome to send them our way and we will do our best to answer them. I just realized, by the way, I, I didn't do my due diligence to retweet the tweet at 7 o'clock indicating we were on the air. We normally do that, so we're only, what, 12 or so minutes in when we're finally getting around to that. Uh, quick scheduling notes coming up. We will have Sunday's show at 7 o'clock Eastern time like we normally do. And then um, next Thursday will be on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. Next Thursday's show will probably take on a different tactic. We'll be watching games going on, probably won't have as many coach or player interviews, but we will be talking some Division Three topics that are certainly relevant. Sunday show, we're working on also talking about the expansion of the regions. 
Uh, we have a guest lined up. We're going to work on getting those details solidified, but we'll be talking about regional expansion coming up. Uh, now, that's not going to be in place for another year and a half. Um, not next season, which is twenty one or 2021. It'll be 21-22 when it gets put into place. But it has passed the Championships Committee. It's on to the Management Council, which will vote on it in April, and all signs are that they will approve it, though anything's possible, right? We'll talk to one of the uh, architects of that uh, regional expansion about it on Sunday's show. And again, trying to work on a couple of different topics for Thursday's show so we aren't as reliant on coach interviews, if, if that makes any sense, because a lot of teams are involved with conference tournaments and sometimes a little harder to get them on the air. All right, let's talk about what happened in the top 25 before we get on to the rest of this show. So far, a very quiet week so far, as we mentioned. I'll get to see the number one team, Swarthmore, yet again, uh, coming up on Saturday. By the way, i got a crazy schedule, if anybody cares. I'm calling two basketball games at McDaniel in Westminster, Maryland, and then I have to hightail it down to um, Navy, where I'll be calling wrestling, first time ever. If you have wrestling tips on how I should broadcast wrestling, send them my way. So Swarthmore uh, beat Haverford rather handily. Uh, by 13, Haverford's been kind of one of the surprise teams in the Centennial Conference, and I, I think Swarthmore came out of the, I don't know if they were in a different gear, if they were ill or what was going on, but they had a couple weeks there that, that concerned me. They're back to where I expected them to be. Randolph-Macon destroyed Hamden-Sydney, 84-58. Hamden-Sydney, I think, is going to be good in a few years. I think they're going to get their mojo back. But Randolph-Macon unceremoniously showed them the door. They RMC's got a big game on Saturday against Guilford. We'll see which version of Guilford shows up. It's at Guilford, so anything's possible. And that game is the uh, precursor to the ODAC tournament, where we know anything is possible. St. Thomas uh, beat St. Olaf. They'll play St. Mary's this week. St. John's uh, hasn't played anybody. They'll play Bethel coming up this weekend. Wittenberg got past Wabash in a tight one, and then we'll play Hiram. Nebraska Wesleyan, number six team in the country, lost to Simpson, and it wasn't close. 86-59. By all reports, Simpson came out hot shooting, and Nebraska Wesleyan did not shoot well in that game. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan seemed to start getting rolling in the second half, and then it sputtered out. And Simpson rolled away with a 33, or I'm sorry, a 27-point win. Saw the celebration in the Simpson locker room. Hats off to that program. Simpson's a good program. I don't think they've lived up to the expectations of this season, but that's a solid win over Nebraska Wesley. And they've uh, NWU's got Loris coming up. Platteville um, uh, no lost, or got past Eau Claire and easily by 24, uh, four, uh, 80 to 56. Emory obviously has two games this weekend. Mount Union. Okay, Johns Hopkins beat uh, Franklin and Marshall on the road. North Central, Colby, Washu, Middlebury, Springfield, Marietta, Yeshiva, Virginia Wesleyan, St. Joseph's, and St. Norbert either didn't play or have won games. Virginia Wesleyan had a tight one against Shenandoah, which makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, they may have peaked a, a tad early. Springfield got the win over WPI, 80-64. to 64. I think Springfield is certainly clicking on all cylinders right now. WPI, as we mentioned, lost. That's the only other loss in the top 25 in the men's side. There's only two losses. Babson got past Emerson. Uh, Elmhurst uh, got past Carroll in a tight game. Elmhurst is playing with fire. Uh, Lacrosse got past River Falls, and Brockport hasn't played. They'll play Cortland and Oswego State this weekend. A huge weekend in the Suniac. Oswego State is was expected to be pretty good this season. Cortland has been good this season, and now you got Brockport. This is a, a huge battle in the Suniac for 
really some momentum going into the tournament. Uh, Brockport's got a two-game lead on Potsdam and Oneonta, so the only thing that can happen here is that Brockport loses both Potsdam and, and Oneonta somehow catch them, but I don't know if the tiebreakers go their way. Oswego and Cortland are then two and three games back, or Cortland's actually five games back. Oswego's four. I did my math wrong. Uh, both teams want to just hold position, so a huge weekend for Brockport, Cortland, and Oswego coming up. Uh, receiving votes category. Uh, Whitman, Tufts, RPI, Texas, Dallas, Center, Augustana, Oshkosh, York, Christopher Newport, Benedictine, Stevens, and Albertus Magnus either didn't play or have all won. The only one who lost was Whitman, who was receiving two votes. They lost to Whitworth, 87-82. By the way, Center is idle this week as they get ready for the USA South tournament because they've got the bye. On the women's side, not a lot of craziness on the weekend. The Whitman and Whitworth went to overtime. Whitworth was trying to get into the... Northwest Conference Tournament, Whitman was trying to hold on to the top spot. Uh, that went overtime. Uh, Wartburg and Loris went overtime. Number 8 v. number 10, and number 8 won 79-76 at number 10. Incredible game. Uh, I still think Loris is a darn good team, but Wartburg needed that one, I think. Transylvania lost to Hanover 60-57. to and Augsburg lost to Bethel. Bethel swept the top three in the MIAC. Remember, their loss in conference comes to what now is four-win St. Mary's, was two-win when they, they lost to them. So it's crazy how Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, those results are for, for Bethel. Uh, the rest of the teams either won or didn't play. Receiving votes category, Gettysburg lost to Dickinson 78-70, in my opinion, Dick Gettysburg is still struggling with being a, an illness that went through that team from what I've been told. And it's only been a week since that happened. I have a feeling they're still dealing with it, though that is a loss that handed Haverford the conference regular season title and may cost Gettysburg in their regional rankings. It all gets crazy. So there you go, folks. There's your recap. Um, by the way, there's a tweet out by Sports Illustrated today that uh, tries to give credit but does a horrible job by doing it. Sports Illustrated SI Now writes, the NCAA scoring leader is A, married, B, a D3 nobody, C, just 6-1, or D, all the above. D is for Demers. Eric Demers, he's 33.3 points per game. He plays for Gordon. Here's the problem. He's not a D3 nobody, right? We know about him. That's that mentality that nobody knows anything about Division Three. Uh, Lee writes in women's Suniac. Does new Paltz move into the top 25 since they are number one in the East? Who else goes in the NCAA on the women's side? Sweet 16 team team two out of the last three years for new Paltz. I don't know if they go in the top 25. The women's top 25 is really tight. The difference in votes though is narrow. John Carroll's in the top 25 at 25 at 37 points. Haverford's at 36 just looking outside, Christopher Newport at 35, CN, uh, NYU at 32, and Gettysburg at 30, and then George Fox at 29. New Paltz isn't being voted for. Just because you're number one in a, in a region, though, doesn't mean you're a top 25 team. That's like the coaches poll in soccer. They have regional polls, and then they vote, and then they take those regional polls, and they extrapolate them out into the top 25. And so the number one, the, the, let's say there's eight regions. I think that's what it is. The number ones from all eight regions are in the top eight. The number twos are nine through 16. The number threes fill out the rest. That's not how it is, right? Not all regions are equal. 
listen, I think New Paltz is good. Um, I think there's con- there's there's maybe um, not an understanding of how good New Paltz is at 20 and 3, 15 and 1 in conference play. They played Tufts, lost by 16. They played Simpson, lost by uh, 28. Uh, their other conference in uh, other loss in conference, 61-55. I think people have questions. And then Cortland took them to overtime. If you're a top 25 team in the SUNYAC, my opinion, like Geneseo, there's no close games. Um, granted, New, New Paltz gave Geneseo quite a tough time over the last few years. Uh, I think there's questions about what Jamie Stewart's got there, and I'm not positive everybody knows for sure is is the the meat of that. Um I have to look at it more deeply. I got to look at their SOS numbers. So give me a second, Lee. I'll see if I can get you a better answer on that a little bit later in the show. How's that sound? All right, we'll take a break. As Hoop Hawk says, Atlantic Region Outlook. I assume you look on the men's side. Stay with me, Hoop Hawk. We will get to it. I will try and give you an idea of what I think. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start with our WBCA Center Court segment with Eastern Nazarene women's basketball, what they're doing to give back to their community. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. 
we place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well, but it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that, and it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Hey folks, I'll see ya. <laughs> uh, let's try and get a tweet out there but we're back welcome back to the show if you got questions for us tweet us at d3 hoops or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com join us on facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville or youtube youtube.com slash d3 hoopsville uh, making sure i got the email right because it's scrolling at the bottom of your screen but some of you are just listening to the show i realize uh hoopsville at d3sports.com hoopsville at d3sports.com uh, I know uh, we got a question on YouTube about the Atlantic Region Outlook. Hoop, I will get to you, sir. Don't worry about that. Please stick with us. We will get to it. Um, I'm going to start with the WBCA Center Court segment tonight. And as you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker when it comes to programs that are giving back, truly defining the YD3 mentality, as it were. Uh, this segment was a suggestion of our own Ryan Scott's, his alma mater, uh, doing good things in the community. And I... I'm a sucker for that, and we had run out of topics. FYI, we'll be pushing for more topics next season. And so we figured this is a good one to get here. And uh, and, and at a time of year, it seems like it's a perfect timing because they're also doing pretty well on the hard court. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from Eastern Nazarene is Sasha Santamano. Coach, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. Absolutely. I appreciate it. As I said, I, I know it's a busy time of year and we'll talk about how well your team is doing in, in, well, I tried to put you back in the GNAC t earlier today, but it is the <laughs> NECC. Um, but I want to talk about what you guys are doing for your community. Uh, Ryan spoke of this a few times and I did some digging and I see that it's, it's not just kind of a, oh yeah, we have a day where we raise funds. You guys have made a concerted effort to do more in the community, but I feel like there's, there's more than just saying you're doing something for the community. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an initiative. That's kind of how we took it on this year with our team. Um, we talked a lot about being selfless and what that should look like. And, um, you know, our program's built off of being a family and being intentional about what bigger than basketball looks like. And that's, that's, why, that's where this initiative kind of came upon us. I, it also feels like it's a, it's a maybe a push from the entire athletic department, but it's obviously a very Division three thing as well. Where... Where did you guys get the inspiration, if, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just came upon us. I, you know, I, I was talking to my family after, after the season, and then with uh, my assistant coach, 
um, Madison Flowers, we talked a little bit more about how can we do more moving forward and what does that look like? And this is kind of where we came up with this initiative. We wanted to kind of bring our community closer to us and, and vice versa. We wanted to put our players out in the community, wanted to show them that you can impact change in a small way. It doesn't take big big things to make big things happen. It, it can start in a small scale. And that's where we built this initiative. And, and just kind of, it just, like I said, it took off from there. You guys located in Quincy, Mass, where anybody's not familiar, is southeast of Boston uh, on your way to the Cape. Uh, but if you're, in, if you're in Quincy, you decided not to go to the Cape. Um, you guys have one of your programs is called the uh, uh, Donate, but we're taking the E and making it a three, meaning I kind of can immediately know what that means. It means every time you hit a three-pointer, you're going to donate. Um, so there's obviously some pressure a little bit on the players to have some good shooting percentages on most nights. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean, we were like, no pressure, but, um, <laughs> you know, but we did we did put a cap, where uh, not a cap, we put a minimum on it where if we weren't hitting at least eight threes a night, which is hard to do, let me yeah. just put that out there. Um, I, You know, we automatically said we'll donate $25 if we don't hit it at least eight threes a game. Okay. We also wanted, wanted again, to make it, you know, a bigger than basketball thing. So our players really bought into this, and um, we've had a couple of games where we've, we've exceeded that. So. Uh, by the way, how much are you donating uh, per three made anyway? It's $3 per three. Um, and then, of course, like, like I said, a minimum of $25 if eight threes aren't hitting a game. So right now I think we're up to a little bit over $600 per organization that we're donating to. Is it home games or away games too? No, it's every game, wow. every single game. I got you yeah. averaging about six made threes a game. So you're you're close to the average, which means you probably went over it a few times. Um, yeah. And sometimes it was probably just the $25. But $600 per organization of the six, is that what you said? Yeah, right now we, we are, we're roughly at a little bit over 600 per organization. Um, because, again, you know, if we don't hit those, those eight threes, it's, it's at least a minimum of 25. So, um, you know, our kids and our kids have, have also bought into it by we work a lot of uh, uh, events at Gillette, which is um, where the Patriots play. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our players even stepped up and said, I want to donate my own money that I've raised oh, wow. um, to help help this organization. So, you know, these three organizations have been pretty, pretty helpful for us and, and vice versa. When you say you work events at, at that stadium, do you mean you guys pl- work games and you're in the concession stand? Because I'm known of those programs or is it something else? No, it's exactly that. We work okay. 22 events during the course of the year and um, raise money to take trips every year. And, you know, anything additional, our players, you know, like I said, choose to donate it back um, and do some different things with it. I'm sorry you didn't have all those those playoff games this season to, to work. I'm, I really, my heart bleeds for you guys. Hey, you know, you, I'm from actually from Kansas city. So, that's, Oh, uh, that's you're, ha- you're loving this. Yes, I am. I am. Now is that I'm Missouri or Kansas? I kid, I'm moving on. Just <laughs> we'll get that out of the way now. Uh, sorry. I couldn't resist. It was too easy. <laughs> you're good. You're Don't worry. Good. I'm down here in Baltimore. Everyone's still licking their wounds from the surprise. The Titans <laughs> dropped on. I was at that game. Anyway, we won't digress. Um, so what, we didn't get to it. What are the six organizations you guys chose? And can you tell us a little bit about those six? No, we're actually, it's actually three organizations, um, that, that we chose. And that, those three are the Devana center, which is, um, a center that helps families and, uh, with, with empowerment, with education, with resources for, for the families to help with kids. Um, it just, 
they, it's just a really great organization. Um, the second organization is One Voice. It is actually founded by an created and founded by an alumni of ours. Um, she played basketball here a very long time ago. Um, very successful basketball player, but she uh, started this One Voice organization. It's to to better our awareness of human trafficking and what that looks like. Hmm. And so that's the second organization. Um, and then the third and final organization is Dove, which is domestic violence um, education. So, you know, we have a local chapter here in Quincy, uh, and also another alum is is part of the organization. Um, and that's, you know, we're donating to those three those three organizations. We wanted to we wanted to encompass the two words called empowerment and education. We felt that those three organizations are very unique. They're very different. And, you know, the more education that there is out there, um, you know, the more helpful our community community can be with, with sure. um, helping those resources. Very apropos of what we're all dealing with in the world these days, too. So uh, certainly yeah. uh, well placed. Uh, I You were t- mentioning to me before we went on air. First off, there's obviously the money raised for the three-pointers made. And you've mentioned that your your players are donating as well. But have you also had events that have allowed the community to donate? Yeah, I mean, we have a link directly on our website. If you go to our athletics page and go to our women's basketball page specifically, there there's a donate initiative. You can donate through that. But in the six awareness games that we've already done, we have, um, you know, we've we've had like Regis College come and and bring four play and pack play packs, um, pack and plays. Sorry, not play packs, pack and plays <laughs> that we were able to donate. Um, so we've had we've had teams also buy into this and and bring money, bring toiletries. And, you know, every time we did an awareness game, we would we'd load up at least a tub full of, you know, donation items that are needed for these organizations, and we we're able to give it, give it back to them. Oh, that's really darn impressive. Um, the money raised, you came, kind of came out of the block on the first night doing this. I know a lot of programs that will wait maybe midway through the season before they get some, you know, momentum and maybe people who have donated to the cause, as it were. You're doing it the first night. How did you guys already have the cash on hand? Um, actually, when when we decided on doing this initiative, I actually took a side job. Um, I work at our local YMCA, and I said, you know, if we can't find, if there's no way we can find any money, I will raise every bit of it if I have to. Um, because again, I, you know, both, you know, Madison Flowers, she's my associate coach. We both believe that um, to teach what selflessness looks like, we have to model it. And so um, what I didn't realize was just how much it was going to catch on fire and kind of go from there. Uh, pretty darn impressive to not only make that kind of sacrifice yourself, but then kind of be the impetus. And it clearly has rubbed off on your student athletes if they're willing to, to, to give up some of their own money as well. Um, I don't want to cut the time on this because it's an amazing cause. I have a feeling there's going to be more, but you're, you might have more games to donate because you guys are having a heck of a season this year. Granted, moving from the Triple C to the GNAC uh, has done wonders for for the program. Nineteen and three this season, twelve and one in the conference. You're on top of the conference standings. You're gonna looks like you'll probably be hosting this tournament at your place, or at least some of the games coming through you guys. That that's gonna help the cause to a large degree. Yeah, we we definitely clinched home playoffs, um, and you know we did clinch uh, at least the regular. Well, we clinched the regular season title as well. So we will be playing on Thursday and Saturday, hopefully. Um, you know, it's win or go home. So our kids have got to show up. But, you know, <laughs> we have a special group this year. They are they are a pretty unique 
group of kids. Um, very genuine, very authentic. And again, they really model this initiative that we have going. So mm. um, I do think a lot of that, of the success we've had on the court is because of how much we've done off the court that, you know, models helping others and, and that kind of stuff. Kind of brings you guys together to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. We, we do, we do walk the walk of being what a family looks like. We don't just talk it is what I like to say. That's wonderful. Now, I don't know if you mentioned this and forgive me if you did, do you guys do any of the work in these, in these groups as well? Yeah, we've, we've worked a, um, like a gala, a gala, excuse me, um, is a fundraiser for Doug. So we've done that. Um, you know, we've, we've been to some of these organizations and worked a toy drive and helped with any kind of like needs of the facility. So we've, we've gone back and done some different things with the organizations that they've needed help on, on the side. But the, the biggest thing that we worked with on was the gala and the toy drive that, mm. that happened in the first semester. Uh, that certainly is a great way to have the team kind of gel, as it were. You've got five seniors, I'm sure, are leading the way. If anyone sees uh, Kyra Flaherty start hitting threes, um, it's going to be a good night for your causes. She's your best three-point shooter uh, yeah. in terms of the fact that she's hit 34 of them already this season on a 93 shots. Obviously, a lot of players are hitting threes. I think this may have in- encouraged some to go for it. I see Janeth uh, Cuz. Uh, Cruz decided to go for a shot too, just probably to raise some money. Um, I know that's not her her A game necessarily, but tell us a little bit more because I know Stevie Orton, a sophomore, is leading this team in scoring. Um, but tell us a little bit more than what the stat sheet tells us about Orton, Flaherty, and, and the rest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely Orton is is leading us, but you know, Flaherty, Kyra just contributes in in a in a ton of different ways. She's a five eleven lefty sharpshooter kid. Um, but she can also post up for us. And Stevie is just as vers- versatile as Stevie Orton. But, you know, aside from that, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, we, we average about 17 assists a game. So we, we share the ball like like no other. And, yeah. you know, on any given night, we have different players that step up and can lead for us. So, you know, you look down down our, our statistics, and it's, it can be a little bit deceiving. You know, while we do have two consistent top scores, um, we have other players that you know, can literally step up and, and, and drop 15 to 20 for us. So it's that that's how special this group is. I know you don't want to look ahead, but this team's clicking to the point that an NCAA tournament berth is more than likely. It's going to have to come as an AQ. But right. do you dare look that far in advance? I mean, we talk about what it takes to be successful. And, you know, we talk about wanting to be at the NCAA tournament. You know, the last time ENC was, ENC women's basketball made the NCAA tournament was exactly 20 years ago. Yeah. The last time they won a conference turn or conference title was exactly 20 years ago. So, um, you know, we, we talk about small steps. We talk about from day one, game one was a, we acted as if it was a playoff game. So nothing should be any different, you know, different going into this week, um, that's coming up, but you know, our players, they have the ability to go far. It's just, it's a mindset at this point, And, um, it's about, coming together and staying together for the duration of this playoff. Tell me the difference. You're in, what, year two, I think, of the Triple C? Or not Triple okay. C, I'm sorry, the NECC? Yeah, yeah. Tell um, me tell me um, a little bit of what it's like, the differences in, in that and where you guys were. Yeah, the, you know, the NECC is, is super athletic. I mean, I can't, I can't explain it. Like, on any given night, you have, the athleticism that you have to um, 
I like to say on a defensive aspect, we have to discipline every team, every team we play in regards to their athleticism. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's off the wall. You know, the CCC, um, they, it's very fundamental teams, you know, they're grinded out type of basketball, um, you know, very strong, solid teams. Um, the NECC, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get on any given night, you know, and I feel <laughs> the same way about the CCC as well, but the athleticism that the NECC just brings a whole different game. Mm. Um, you know, and when you talk about rebounding and defense being one of your top two components that make teams successful, you know, it's, it's not hard to, you know, get out rebound in one game and lose and, sure. you know, have the athleticism that you can't get past. Um, and, and have to figure that out day in and day out. And I feel like that's one of the biggest, biggest differences between the NECC to the CCC. Certainly fascinating. By the way, last time you guys made the, the conference or the NCAA tournament won a conference title, I think I was in middle school. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I can only wish. I can only wish uh, middle school was 20 years ago. Uh, college was 20 years ago. Um, all right, so you got Elms coming up on Saturday and then the conference tournament. What's the message yeah. to the team uh, in practices and, and, and whatnot? We go one practice at a time, one game at a time. So right now we're not even thinking about next week. We're just thinking about Elms. Um, it's also our senior night, yep. so it's a chance to honor our kids. But um, but yeah, that's that's our that's the way we talk. We don't look past the first, the game that's directly in front of us. Sure. So that's the only thing that matters right now. Trust me, I hear that from a lot of coaches. Uh, <laughs> shockingly enough. Uh, by the way, I, we should point out you're a uh, assistant AD for Student Athlete Academic Services. Though at first that seems a lot like SAC. It's not. It's SAS. Um, what is it like to, to kind of oversee the academic side of things for these student athletes? Yeah, I mean, it's just about making sure our kids are, you know, there's, there's a certain set of standards that, and baseline um, standards that we have within our athletic department. And then from there, each of our programs have an additional set of standards that are, that are usually above what we've laid out. So that involves like study halls, GPA, grade checks. Um, and it's just about checking in with those professors, or not just the professors, but also the coaches and making sure these students are doing, you know, what they're supposed to. Um, I think D3, what I love about D3 is the fact that our kids get a great balance of academics, athletics, but also just life, you know, mm. whether it's that having another job, um, you know, whether that's ha- actually having a social life where you get to meet, have friends outside of the sport that you play in. Um, and it's important where these kids, while balance is awesome and D3, that's the aspect that's important about D3, academics come first and finding a way to make that a priority sometimes can be hard. So we always like to, you know, reel our kids back in and say, this is actually what you're here for. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's graduate on time. <laughs> let's get out of here. Sure. Uh, curious. You mentioned earlier from Kansas city, you went to, uh, San, uh South Dakota state. Now uh, you've been nine years at ENC, which is New England and Boston. Um, are, 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 have you settled in yet? This is, this is a different world up there in New England. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't say enough about this area. It's, I love the culture out here. You know, I love the fact that we're 10 miles from the airport, so if I want to go anywhere, I can go anywhere <laughs> I want. Um, in six hours, you can be on the West Coast or you can be in uh, – you know, Portugal or, or, yeah. you know, or London. True. So I, I, that's what I love about, I love to travel. So Great. Um, I love it out here. There's no, uh, awesome. there's no Kansas city uh, barbecue though. No, no, you know, still <laughs> looking for it. So if you, you find any, let me know. 
because I'm, I'm still I, looking for some really good barbecue. I've spent a long time of my life in New England. I don't yeah. remember seeing Kansas City barbecue. I'm sorry. If, oh. if it's there, I'll let you know because it'll be a shock <laughs> to me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, if anyone knows out there um, some really good barbecue around here, please, we'll please let, fill me in. Yeah, we'll let <laughs> you know. We'll try and get you that info as fast as we can. Coach, I really appreciate the time. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. We always have a tradition on this show. We leave the last word to the, the guest. Any final words you want to say with those who may be tuned in? No, I just really appreciate this opportunity. Um, yeah, and, and I'm thankful for, for giving, a, giving me a chance to talk more about my team, ENC, and the NECC. Thank you. Absolutely. Congratulations. Wonderful efforts you all are making. Appreciate the time to, to discuss it with us. Good luck the rest of the well, the week and a half of the season that is ahead of us. Hopefully we'll see you in March, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Have a great day. Absolutely. Coach Sasha Santamano joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the blue in the uh, WBCA Center Court. Appreciate her time. Wonderful um, cause there. We shared a link, by the way, to their uh, donations. Uh, basically, where we had it, look below it. You'll see the link for it. Um, if you want more information or if you want to donate or whatever the case may be, you'll find it there. There's a lovely list of items that they need at Dove and, and the other location, the, Di- the Diane Devana Center. So there you go. Uh, great, great cause and a very YD3 moment, to say the least. Take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. We'll come to just north of where I am located. We'll talk to York men's basketball. Matt Hunter, their head coach, will join us to talk about the Spartans, the who who are in a battle, essentially trying to control the CAC before they walk out the door. Uh this isn't Christopher Newport's conference, everybody. We'll talk to Matt Hunter about his program. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More with Matt Hunter, your questions, and a lot more after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division Three campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, 
we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program on this Thursday evening. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also uh, email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. That will get memorized eventually, D3sports.com. That's hoopsville at D3sports.com. We're simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube. It's facebook.com slash hoopsville and youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. I uh, had one person comment that the conversation with Coach Santamano was, was uh, great. I agreed. Thought it was a wonderful chat. Learn more about the program, but that's half the reason we do this. Uh, Jack gave us a tremendous question. He says, uh, what do you think is the most interesting conference tournament in each region? Jack, I will get to that. Hoop, I haven't forgot about your Atlantic region question. I'll try and get to the Hoop one, Hoop Hawks question at the end of this upcoming segment. And uh, I love the other one there, Jack. I'm, I'm going to go through that one. Uh, we will get to it later. All right, so my tweet was a little bit off. Uh, I said... Uh, in my tweet for this segment, uh, making sure the CAC does not run through Newport News. Well, they're not going to have as much control on that as I thought they did. Didn't realize a coin flip had already taken place, and this is off the table. But York College is in their final season in the CAC before they move on to the MAC Commonwealth and what will be a reshaped MAC Commonwealth and a reshaped MAC Freedom with York coming in. The competition may not be as difficult at the top in the MAC Commonwealth because the CAC has been a barn burner for a number of years, and one of the reasons is because of York College. Matt Hunter has had that program clicking along the last few years. Remember, they were hosting the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago when Yeshiva made it and played at York. They've got a team that could be in the NCAA tournament yet again this year. Hey, you never know, maybe hosting too. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of York, 
who is 20 and 5, 9 and 1 in the CAC. It is Matt Hunter. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, the the school that is closest to me without being in the state of Maryland. Um, and some days with traffic, you guys are closer to me, period. Uh, <laughs> you guys, interesting season. Uh, you you lose in in spurts and you win in runs. Uh, your two losses this season, November 16th and 23rd against uh, Roanoke and Johns Hopkins. You lost to Lancaster or you beat Lancaster Bible in the middle of that. And then you lost to a pretty good Marietta squad. That was a heck of a game. 92-86 on, Jan- on December 29th. Then lost to Albertus Magnus the next game out, 76-73. Beat Marymount and then Christopher Newport tripped you up. So it's like these small little windows of where you guys have had some trouble. The rest of the time, you guys have played some really good basketball, had some close moments. How would you characterize the season? Yeah, we're kind of uh, a force of a force of nature. We have an iron will. We kind of don't back down. <laughs> so we've uh, we've played a lot of close games, and we've been able to to gut them out and kind of find ways to to make it happen on any given night. Yeah, some of these scores will certainly make me scratch my head. St. Mary's was a 68-62, Mary Washington 74-71. Don't get me wrong, I know it's competitive in the CAC and those are close games, but then I also see you capable of beating Christopher Newport, and I go, well, I would think the next game would be a bigger spread. Has the CAC come together a little bit more? Because I know Mary Washington's more competitive. I've lost track of St. Mary's. I know Southern Virginia's gotten more. Has it just gotten more competitive in general, top to bottom? Yeah, I think uh, the whole time that I've I've been here, it's been extremely competitive, and, and this year is no different. And road games in the league have, have always been a, a challenge for us all, and uh, this, this year is no different. It's a lot of talented players and, and good coaches and experienced programs. So every uh, every game is a battle, and it's been been no different this year. With a constant liposuction of the CAC recently uh, that you guys will become a part of next season, it's also gotten a little bit more difficult in scheduling. You only had 10 conference games this year, uh, almost a NESCAC-like schedule in terms of numbers. So you had to go out there and schedule 15 games. And, and to some degree, you weren't afraid to shine away. You have some pretty good opponents on this list. Yeah, absolutely. When we sat down kind of going into this year, uh, we wanted to create – uh, the, the toughest schedule possible to, to challenge our guys and, and help prepare us for this time of year. And, and we were able to, you know, go down to Roanoke and, and play them on the road and got a nice series going with Hopkins. And then we had the uh, opportunity to, to go out in, to Ohio and, and play Marietta and Ohio Wesleyan back to back and then uh, our tournament and get that re going. And Albertus Magnus came down. So, we were really excited about our schedule and, and played some really tough games, both at home and in the region, out of the region, and really helped prepare our guys for, for February. Yeah, you played a, a bunch of teams that I don't think you get a chance to play all that often, even if they're nearby, but Dickinson to start, Johnson and Wales down there at Roanoke College, followed by Roanoke. Uh, I, I think if I look at this, to be honest with you, the only loss that stands out to me is the Roanoke game, as much as I love Clay Nunley as a classmate of mine. And, and, as, and as much as I know that they can be a tough opponent, losing 74-59 stands out because you've also handled opponents that I think are just as good as, if not better than they are. Was that just a, a early season type game, back-to-back, it timed itself just right? 
Yeah, it's it's never easy to uh, to win that second game when you're on the road, and um, we we wanted to put ourselves in that situation a couple of different times this year, so we did it. And uh, when we played that day, Roanoke was better than us, and uh, we were able to make a run uh, in the second half, which kind of was a forebearer for who we'd become over the course of the season. But um, on that day, we were not able to uh, to finish it off in the end. Were they blinding you with the windows and, and having all the light pour in, or did they at least close <laughs> the windows for you guys? <laughs> no, we did we did close the blinds right uh, right before tip off. Oh, but, uh, so you had to warm did, up with it, the with it, the light. It didn't help. It didn't help us any. We uh, <laughs> not a day that we we shot well from the floor. I do get a kick out of the fact those windows are a gorgeous view. Uh, of the of the mountains uh, around Roanoke College, but I do sm- I smirk a little bit considering where they're located um, behind the basket. Uh, Marietta, awesome game you guys played with them after beating Ohio Wesley the night before. That Marietta game though felt like it slipped away. I'm not taking that as a negative because Marietta we know is a really good team. What did you think of that game and how did you guys come out of it? Yeah, you know we came out of it uh, learning that we can play with anyone and everyone and. Uh, you know, that was kind of our takeaway. Would uh, We certainly would have liked a different result. And, uh, you know, it, but it made us better. And since that second half, you know, we've been, we've been pretty good down the stretch in closing games. And so I think we were able to take a lot away from that moment and th- that opportunity to compete at such a high level. And that was just a big-time basketball game. It was a ton of fun. Certainly not one. You never like to, to lose in the mm-hmm. end. But, uh that was just a big-time college basketball game. Sure. Of course, at Worcester, which I'm sure the atmosphere was fun. I know most of the fans probably come out for Worcester games, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure the Marietta faithful made the trip. So you got a great atmosphere. What's it like to play at Worcester? Yeah, no, beautiful facility. Certainly, obviously, one of the most successful programs around. And so it's just great to be in that environment and, and test ourselves against uh, some of the best. I uh, won't go through all the rest of this, but Christopher Newport and the least surprising news between the two of you programs, you two split and held the home court <laughs> against each other. Uh, they defeated yeah. you down at their place, 79-68, and then a double overtime thriller back on the 8th of February, 101-97 at your place. Do you guys match up well with Christopher Newport? Are these two teams rather even to some degree? Yeah, it's been a battle. You know, the last three years we've played each other eight times and we're split 4-4. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's been, uh, been a tussle and a, a lot of fun to, again, compete against, uh, compete against Coach Corrin and the captains. And it's been, uh, at the top of the CAC here for the last couple of years. And it's been a, just an awesome experience. Uh, since that loss to Christopher Newport back in January, you have won 10 straight, including the, the one we talked about at home against Christopher Newport. Uh, interesting scheduling, obviously with a reduced schedule, you did have to play Salisbury in uh sandwich with Southern Virginia in the middle of that. So you, you've gotten enough of the CAC in the last few weeks. Now you head into the CAC tournament. You'll either play Mary Washington or Southern Virginia in the semis. And unless Christopher Newport um, is tripped up in those semis, you will travel down to Newport news uh, to play them for the championship. Should you win? What is the mentality going into this conference tournament, especially with a week to kind of lick the wounds, as it were? Yeah, just uh, get healthy and, you know, get get into a good rhythm here over the next couple of days and await and see who we're going to play on Saturday and 
and prepare to play a, a big time game at home. And, and that's the only game that matters to us is, you know, that, that game on Wednesday and figure out who we're going to play and, and what we need to do to be successful. How important is home court for you guys? Because that's the other thing that stands out. I don't think you lost. Have you lost this season at home? Uh, you did against Albertus Magnus, I guess. But that's such a tough place to play for 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 me. Historically, I know the old place, and that was even tougher. Uh, but the new place is, you know, one of these nice, big, open expansions. But, man, the crowd gets into it. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, we've created a pretty cool atmosphere with uh, student-athlete support uh, and the local community support um, comes out and supports their guys and, and Jared and Darren. And we we run a lot of camps, so we have campers and that kind of stuff in the crowd and their families. So it really has created a cool atmosphere. And we have, we've been fortunate to be very successful at home over the last uh, last several years and um, you, you love to have these big games in, in your building come the, come the end of the season. It's cool. I, I know a, a lot of schools that do camps, and I never know what it, it, the relationship is outside that camp. It's neat to hear that those players come, or those students are coming back to your games as well. They're, they're obviously making a connection with your team. Your senior group is an interesting core that has been around since really how this program evolved. You, you've had some great players ahead of them, but this core feels somewhat special. Is that is that a correct way of of describing this group? Yeah, no. Since uh, since they've uh, arrived, you know, we, we've had a ton of success, and obviously Wagner gets all the headlines, and you know, should be player of the year in the league, and hopefully the region. And um, but Joe and Darren and Zach have all played in over a hundred games at this point, so uh, we're kind of that grizzled, battle-tested, and that's why we can win ugly and, and, and do that stuff that we've been able to do this year. <laughs> uh, to give everybody a comparison, uh, the, the season before this team showed up, you guys were 10-15, and 15, and prior to that, you had come off back-to-back 5-20 and 20 seasons, did the program. Uh, you took over kind of in that spell. This has been a quick ascension back up into the 20-win marks and back into the NCAA tournaments and back into top 25 conversations. That's why I allude to the senior group you mentioned Wagner. He leads the team at 18 and a half points a game, and you got three other seniors in your top four in scoring. What else do they bring to the table, though, besides what I see in a box score? Yeah, I mean, the, the seniors at, at this time of year, you know, they, they're special, you know, because they've played in a ton of games and they have a wealth of experience. Um, but they can also see the end. And I referenced kind of an iron will and being a force of nature. It's, it's spearheaded by those guys and Jared in particular, but all of those guys bring that kind of, there's almost a sense of finality to it right now. Like, all right, we've got to, we've got to find a way to get this done. And um, I'll be darned if they don't figure it out. Sure. Uh, Jared Wagner being one senior, Joe Palzinski, Palzinski doing the other, Darren Goodwin, uh, Gordon and uh, Zach Novick, those are the four we're talking about. But then you've got a deep team. You're, you're not afraid to go into the bench here. You've got juniors, or really just two, but one in particular in David uh, Giuliani. Um, and then you have a whole host of sophomores and freshmen that you're giving plenty of time to. While this senior group's getting the headlines, that rest of the group's getting plenty of, of experience. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's important, you know, and that's, how you develop a program on 
we can't sign these four guys to long-term contracts, you know, <laughs> so um, they have to be prepared to to step into roles, you know, that are bigger than what they're doing right now. And the only way you learn is by being on the floor. And so we get those guys in as, as much as possible and, and they practice incredibly hard every day. And, you know, the tone, the tone has been set for, for what it takes to, to work at this level. And they, they established an understanding of that. Seems bittersweet. York has been part of the CAC since day one. Uh, I was actually reading a, a note about my alma mater's history 25 years ago, actually taking on York in the CAC championship game when it was for the first time for an AQ. Um, uh, breaking news, Goucher won, but we'll move on. Um, what does it mean? I know you haven't been there that whole time, but what is it? What, what's it been like on campus or maybe as you guys have traveled knowing that this is the final season for York after being a, 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 a steadfast member of this conference that next year it's on to a, a new direction. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of unique, you know, and, um, being, that I, pl- I played in the league and now I've coached in the league, you know, it, it's kind of a strange thing, but, uh, at this point in time, we're not all that focused on it. You know, we're, we're getting ready to, to play another game and, and do what we need to do to be successful. But, uh, we're going to have a neat, uh, celebration of our program here coming up in may and get to tell all lots of stories and about the 30 years in the cac i'm sure and um that that will be a lot of fun and that will be the time that we're able to kind of recognize all that type of stuff certainly don't want to get you too far ahead but it, was there any times going into salisbury's gym or going into anywhere else where you're, it was just like wow this you know we may have them on the schedule later, but it's going to be a different feeling. It's going to be an earlier part of the year, or it's going to be different. Is there any of that when you guys traveled? Uh, not really. You know, I mean, Salisbury's always been a little special just because that's where I played. Right. Um, you know, so that one, that one was kind of different. But uh, the rest of the games were just games. I mean, the gyms have changed so much in the last 10, 15 years that it's not like you're certainly <laughs> attached to – to anything certainly by the way when you played at salisbury did they have the rubber court oh yeah oh bless yes, you I sir was, uh, i was the end of the, the rubber floor regime how are you walking <laughs> i wasn't very athletic so okay, it well, didn't, uh, didn't affect me too much i had a rubber court in high school in, in middle school in my first two years of high school in maine and i think they did a number on my knees i know it did a number on others <laughs> i remember when i got to goucher and we went to salisbury and i saw the rubber court and now while i didn't play on it i still had some ptsd <laughs> uh, I'm glad they went to, by the way, my home, my hometown has not gone away from that rubber. They're still with it. Um, coach, appreciate the time. Uh, fascinating insight on your team. And I appreciate, uh, giving us that insight. I know there's work to be done. I know you guys would like to be playing in the NCAA tournament and we hope we're going to be talking about the York Spartans in the tournament. What, the one question before I leave you with a final word, I was voting for you guys early on in the top 25. I thought you guys had the horses, I know it didn't go necessarily the way it were. If I need a, a 25th team, let's say, or, or whatever, give me a good reason I should be voting for you guys. Jared Wagner. <laughs> he's, he's playing at an incredible level, yeah. and he's, he's leading our team. And, I mean, uh, we, we're playing, playing some pretty good basketball, and we're not going to uh, back down in any situation. So, uh, we're, we're excited about the opportunity here going into the CAC playoffs and hopefully beyond. And we'll look forward to 
playing anybody anywhere and just kind of lacing them up and getting that opportunity to compete. Well said. Uh, I can't put his name into my ballot, but I'll at least keep that in mind. Uh, Matt, appreciate the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Many final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in. No, thanks so much for uh, having me on and talk about your college and our program and uh, look forward to following you guys as we go into uh, the playoffs here. Thanks for everything you do. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Matt Hunter joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they're 20-5, and 9-1, and one, but they're on a 10-game winning streak. Hope to make that 11 against Mary Washington or Southern Virginia in the semifinals of the CAC. It's a 16 tournament. Uh, unfortunately, they lost the coin flip to Christopher Newport. They were tied, and then all the tiebreakers didn't work their way out uh, in anybody's favor, so they had to go to a coin flip. Quick story. The coin flip, while brutal for York, is at least better than the old way they used to do it in the CAC. Everybody would get a number. Each school would get a number at the beginning of the year, basically a number pulled out of a hat. At the beginning of the academic year, they would pull a number out of the hat. And let's say York got four, Goucher got two, and uh, no, got seven, let's say, and Salisbury got one. For every tiebreaker that needed to get to that stage, essentially a coin flip, the rest of the season for all sports, Salisbury would always be have the trump card at one. You always knew where everybody stood. That lasted for a number of years, and they finally went, you know what? This isn't exactly great. Everybody kind of knows whether they've won the tiebreaker or not, so they went away from it, at least went to a coin flip. That said, comparing it to where my alma mater is now, Landmark Conference, they've got an insane tiebreaker that includes strength of schedule numbers. Uh, it includes common opponents in non-conference play, played at one the same, same site, and if that didn't break it, at different sites. Then they go into SOS. Then they go into regional rankings, which I don't quite understand it. I'd put regional rankings ahead of SOS, to be totally honest, because neither way you're going to break a tie. That said, there's some who are probably not regionally ranked at all. I don't know where they get the SOS numbers if they're not regionally. Well, we do know where they get them. Um, and then it goes to a coin flip. Like, the SOS number is going to be different. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, L longer story than I expected, but I uh, appreciate Matt Hunter joining us on the show. We'll take another break when we come back. Where are we headed? Uh, if memory could serve, that's right. Heading up to New York. Nazareth men's basketball will join us. Kevin Broderick talks about his team's efforts to try and win the Empire 8 Conference in a week's time. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us 
to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Nope, didn't have our setup perfectly there. Usually it bleeds right back into the studio, but we forgot to set that up. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, donations still taking them. We're quiet tonight, not gotten any. We'll tweet out the, the link again. We'll put it on Facebook again. Um, our goal was raised, as we promised it would be, up to $7,500. we are halfway there, and we'd love to, to get all the way there by the end of business, March 2nd. And just FYI, we will continue to raise the goal if we need to. Uh, but March 2nd is where we want to bring the, that to a close because then we'll have an understanding whether we can go to Atlanta for the championship this year. Uh, at the same time, uh, other things um, as well. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. I know I got some questions. I ran late. I apologize to Jack. I will get to your answer. And Hoophawk, I will get to yours about the Atlantic region as well. I, I, I promise you as quick as I can. Talking East region, uh, Nazareth men's basketball is on top of the Empire 8 per se. They've got a game lead on St. John Fisher, and they play St. John Fisher this weekend at St. John Fisher. Doesn't mean all is lost, though. Doesn't mean everything hasn't been settled, as Kevin Broderick's team is looking to secure home court and win an Empire 8 title. Can they do it? Well, that's why we have this show. We have the coaches on to discuss it with us. 
Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Kevin uh, Broderick. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, on a on a bit of a running run here, your last loss was January 11th in overtime at Alfred. Of course, Alfred uh, last year made all the waves in the Empire 8. Uh, we'll talk about kind of the tale of two seasons in a moment, but you got to be thrilled with how the team's playing right now. Yeah, I, I think we're we're playing good basketball and uh, you know, on on a bit of a run. And you know, every game feels like it's been a tough game, but uh, but we've been uh, been able to win them. Uh, you do have St. John Fisher coming up on the road, and then in a week's time, according to my schedule, you have Sage. Is that is that correct? It is. It is our um, our last regular season game as. At St. John Fisher, it's a you know it's a great rivalry. Our schools are a quarter mile apart, yes. and um, you know it's it's a it's a great you know they're a very good team, and uh, you know our players, their players look forward to it. It's always a great environment, and this year it's um, you know we did uh, secure the number one seed based on the tiebreakers, but wow. um, but we do have to. Uh, uh, you know, to win the game, to to win the league outright, and and not uh, not share it. And yeah. um, you know, it's a, you know, there's a, you know it's a, we'll win it, we'll worry about the league tournament next week. That sure. all of our effort is on on one game right now. I should have picked up on a little note there that Sage was obviously in the tournament. Yeah, we we should point out that while you're playing St. John Fisher and have a game advantage on them, the tiebreaker has gone in your favor, and so you are right. hosting the tournament. Yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. you don't want to share the regular season title. I certainly no. get that. Um, but what is it, what does it mean to at least know at the very minimum, the tournament is coming through your neck of the woods and thus you're not going to have to necessarily go the couple blocks down the road to St. John Fisher. Yeah, we have, you know, we have a great home court. We have great fans, uh, great support. We love playing at home. So, uh, that is, you know, it's an accomplishment, to uh, to, to secure that number one seed and know, know that we get a chance to play the tournament in our gym uh, two years ago uh, you know we won it at home and uh, you know last year I think you know Alfred played at home and won it uh, so it's you know it's obviously an advantage but uh, but you know right now again we're focused on uh, trying to be one of our goals is to be the regular season champions and uh, uh, you know that's motivation but it's, it's certainly a ton of motivation to you know, to play our rival, who's a very good team, and uh, uh, in their gym. So, uh, you know, all of our focus is on that this week. I can't remember if expectations were high at the beginning of the season or not, but you got out to a start with four straight wins against Buffalo State, Hunter, Fredonia, and Rochester Tech, uh, and then Rochester at their place. Part of that um, Thanksgiving tournament, you guys now play tripped you guys up. You end up losing the next one to Oswego State. You get a couple wins, and then St. Mary's of Maryland beat you at Elizabethtown. Right. That, that, up until that point, the game after your Christmas break where you lost to St. Mary's and prior, it felt like maybe you guys didn't quite have your legs under you or whatever the case may be. I know Rochester's a good team, don't get me wrong, but and Oswego and all those, but is that fair to say that you guys were still – kind of finding yourselves or was it just good teams at the right time well uh you know we did start the year with with five new starters and two years ago uh, or last year we graduated a 
you know, just a great senior class. And we had three all-conference players and, a, and an All-American. And uh, so, uh, you know, we lost all five starters. I, I, I felt pretty good about our team, though, because so many of those of our uh, our current players had had really contributed, uh, even though they had... Again, we didn't have anybody who, who was a starter, but uh, so uh, so yeah, that did take some time. But I thought that uh, I was I was pleased with how uh, you know how we adjusted pretty quickly and were playing pretty solid. And uh, uh, you know the leadership. I was worried that having nobody as a returning starter, but guys like Steve Gable and uh, Isaac Nelson uh, just really become very good leaders and uh, uh i think i think we've kept getting better uh because of our leaders when i look at you mentioned losing the five seniors last year and then i look at this team this year you've got one senior in cody green otherwise uh, yeah. it's a whole host of juniors and then a, yeah. a smattering of sophomores and then a bunch of freshmen so it feels yeah. to some degree like you're young um are you playing above expectations <laughs> well, you know, I don't know about that. I do know that um uh we have very good talented competitive guys and and they're mature even though uh, I would say that that's one word that describes us so far this year. We've been uh we've been a very mature team and I've I really liked their business like approach to 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 every game. And as you know, like like most division 3 teams where uh, you play a tough game Friday night and then you come back and have to play it Saturday at two in the afternoon. Uh, we've, we've handled all those things, uh, with maturity. And, uh, you know, Cody is our only senior. My son, Brendan Broderick was supposed to be with us. He, he tore his ACL. So we, and he didn't play a game. So we did start the year knowing we were you know, somewhat inexperienced, but at the same time, we felt very good about um, our junior class and how they had contributed and and we we really thought a bunch of them were ready to take the next step with with going from being contributors to being all conference type players and and uh and we've had a bunch of guys do that yeah it certainly is true uh you guys yeah. have, have have certainly done well in in that sense when yeah. I look at the empire eight too it's an it's an interesting battle St John Fisher. Uh, having a good season, Utica having a tremendous season at eighteen and six. Yeah. Uh, they had right. a big win over Hamilton earlier in the year, but they're nine and four in conference play. Makes me feel like the tournament might be not wide open, but you you got to be ready on any night next week. Yeah, I, our our conference is is a tough conference, uh, top to bottom, and certainly uh, you know those teams you mentioned that Fisher and, and Utica's had a had a terrific season. Sage is a very good team that's done nothing but get better all year. Uh, so, uh, you know, we talk in our program all the time that it's hard to win one game. It's hard to win a game no matter who you play. And, and uh, you know, certainly now at the end of the year, you're uh, playing only the top teams. It's, it's uh, you know, we better approach it with maturity uh, as we've done so far. You guys are scoring 81 and a half points per game, and you have five guys in double figures, uh, led by Stephen Gable, a junior at 16 points a game, Zach Stenglin, a uh, freshman at 15 points a game, and then Cody Green, that senior we were talking about, at 13 points a game, Kevin Underwood at just a smidge under 12 and, and 10 and a half for Jonathan Park. Uh, 
but I know box scores don't tell me the whole story. But what is it about that that group at least? Uh, by the way, Park a smidge under a double double. He's got nine point eight rebounds. Yeah. And yeah. is is the fact that I don't see a lot of points from everybody else not tell us what they're bringing to the table? It does, and uh, you know we obviously with five guys in double figures, we have very good balance. Um, Isaac Nelson, who is one of our captains, is averaging seven points a game. He's become uh, one of the better defenders I've ever coached, and and two years ago, uh, you know he couldn't he couldn't play get playing time because he he wasn't a good enough defender and now he's uh elevated to being a one of the best defenders i've ever coached and a story of our team is again so many of them uh you know john park did not you know played very very little last year but has really matured and uh developed and uh you know he just started uh, you know, the St. John Fisher game, the last time we played him was his first start, and uh, he's just really, really blossomed. And, uh, uh, you know, we have a roster full of those guys uh, that I think that have made that next step from being quality backups to being uh, some of the best players in the league. When you look at what you need to do, obviously St. John Fisher is a big game Saturday, but is this one of these um, tactic games? Like, obviously, you want to win. I, I don't want to take away from that. You want the regular season crown to yourself. But do you have to be careful in not giving away everything because you do have the tournament next week, and you're not only is everybody going to be watching you to figure out what you guys are bringing to the table at this point in the season, but this could be an opponent you're facing next week for a conference title? Well, I, you know, we, we uh, have never approached it like that at you know, we, we're playing a very good team on their home court and we're going to do everything we have to, you know, everything we can possibly do to win the game. And we're going to save nothing or, you know, that's, that's just not in, in how we compete and how we, how we approach games and, uh, you know, our opponent's so good. That's what you have to do. And again, we'll, we'll worry about next week, uh, next week. And, uh, we know each other pretty well. There's yeah. not a lot of secrets anyways, but uh, at the end of the day, there's, there's no saving anything. This, you know, when we play Fisher, it's, it's a big game for us when, you know, yeah, this year it's, it's for the outright league title. And uh, so uh, I'm sure they will be the same as that we give each other our best shot. And uh, uh, for us, uh, you know, the league tournament is next week and we'll have plenty of time to get ready for that. Um, the rivalry, obviously, because you guys are so close, but is it also a rivalry because they've got such a great relationship with Wegmans that you guys feel slighted by, by the, the, <laughs> the grocery giant? <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to the rivalry, but mostly it's, uh, you know, it's respect that, uh, you know, for us, we know that, that they're always a, a good team and, uh, you know, you know, this year especially a very good team and uh so we have tremendous respect we know it's i don't know how many times in the last six times we've played them it's come down to the last possession you know we played uh, in january and you know we scored with eight seconds left to win by two so it's it's that type of game and we have great respect for uh how tough they are to beat and uh, uh especially in their place so it's and, and i you know, we always talk about in our program that 
at least twice a year when you play in Nazareth, you're going to play in a great atmosphere, a sold-out game, and, and that's really, really fun for our players. I wish they got to do it 25 times a year, mm. but they, they know they get to do it twice a year, and, and our players really look forward to it, and uh, you know, so that's a great part of the rivalry. That said, you're right next to the, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, uh, Iron de Croix Country Club? Is that uh, right? The, well, our schools are both, uh, you know, Oak Hill Country Club. Yeah, and, well, it abuts uh, Oak yeah. Hill. Yeah, right, right by Oak Hill. I'm not a golfer, but it's, yeah, but it's a place that they, they've played majors there. Yes. And, uh, it's a big deal. That is a right? mecca of Division yeah. uh, of uh, Division Three. I was going to say, my bad. Yeah. Uh, that is a mecca for, for uh, golf enthusiasts, the Oak Hill Country Club. I was going to say, you're closer to that, so I'll give you the nod uh, <laughs> in, in terms of geography. Um, it is. One other thing I noticed, Derek Cahill is a student assistant on your program. Uh, when did he no longer... When is, when is he no longer a kid slash young teenager? I I kind of remember this kid <laughs> when he was uh, what about knee what is what is saying knee high up to a grasshopper or yeah, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, believe it or not, he's a, he's now a junior at oh. uh, at Nazareth, and he's he's been with us uh, all three years. I mean, prior when he was in high school, he he'd never miss a game, but now <laughs> he's you know he's a full Nazareth student and a student assistant who does a. Uh, done a ton of does a ton of work to, for us. He's also Zach Stegline's roommate, who's you know, Zach's having a ah. tremendous tremendous year. So Derek takes full credit for that. For, <laughs> of course you know, Zach, he does. Zach playing so well, but uh, he's a he's a big benefit to our program. When's he going to take credit for your wins? Is my question. Yeah, I, I think most of the people on campus think he's the head coach because <laughs> I think he tells them that. But. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, we all know the truth. Let's just get that out of the way now. Uh, before I let you go, what's it? I, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but the fact you're you're coaching your alma mater and having so much success doing it, you know, a program that Van Gundy has been a part of and and others. What is, what does it mean to you to be not only coaching your alma mater but to be doing it for so long and at such a high level? Yeah, you know, I I was lucky enough to have a uh, to play in Nazareth College, um, you know, for Bill Nelson and, and the late Mike Daly, and uh, he, I knew right away that what a great school it was and a great uh, basketball tradition. So I'm I'm blessed to to be the coach there. It's uh, you know, again, it's a great school. My my two sons go to school there, and uh, uh, we love it. My wife and I. My wife's a graduate, and uh, uh, it's 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 really cool that. Uh, you know, so many of the people that played in NAS, they care about our success. I think we, when we clinched our title, when we clear, when we clinched our home court on uh, Saturday, the the first text I got was from Jeff Van Gundy, and mm. you, know, you know, congratulating us, asking about. You know, he asked me about the specific players. He he follows us very closely, and uh, and that's a great thing. So that's uh, cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the season. Thanks for your time, as always. I really appreciate it. Uh, we always leave the coach with a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah. And Dave, I just would sincerely like to say that uh, I've done this for a lot of years. I, I uh, really appreciate what you do for division three basketball and, uh, you know, division three student athletes. I know our players are on your site all the time. Our coaches are on it. Uh, it's a resource and uh, we, uh, you know, we really appreciate all the work you do for, uh, to make uh, my life easier and better. And uh, again, our players love, 
love uh, looking on the site and all the work you do. Well, thank you. I certainly have to thank the team more than anything, but um, thank you for the kind words. I know it means a lot to them as well, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. We appreciate it, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. He is uh, Kevin Broderick, head coach at Nazareth. They are 20-4, and four, as we mentioned. They are looking to outright win the conference title here with a win against St. John Fisher on Saturday. should point out he's at 394 wins, closing in on 400. I also want to apologize. I usually have the Nazareth Van Gundy jersey over my shoulder. Um, We needed to do some work with a few of our jerseys to get them back to broadcast shape, as it were, to be hung, and and it just hadn't gotten done yet, and it should have gotten done today, but it didn't. Uh, We will try and get that hung by Sunday. Uh, I also have a, an extra, a new one to add there too. So we will do that uh, in honor of Nazareth on Sunday. But appreciate Coach's time. I'll take a break. Um, Hoop Hawk, you were asking about the the Atlantic region. I'll be blunt: the Atlantic region's not going to get a lot of Pool C bids. Um, if you look at things, unfortunately, um, quickly on the men's side in the Atlantic region, you got Stevens at nineteen and four, Yeshiva twenty two and one, and then TCNJ at sixteen and eight. Uh, it's probably going to end right there. Um, granted, somebody's going to get to the table and going to be sitting there for a long period of time because you figure somebody's going to get a, the automatic bids. Let's hope Yeshiva gets theirs. Steven's likely to get theirs, which leaves you TCNJ. TCNJ's got an SOS of a 544. They're three and four against regionally ranked opponents. They will be in the conversation. Question is if they get jumped because they didn't play well in the NJAC tournament or anything like that. I think... In the Atlantic region on the men's side, you're maybe looking at one Pool C bid. If you're lucky, you're looking at two. It won't go that deep. The sales' resume, Wesley's resume, Wesley's a 515 strength against schedule. Uh, DeSales is a 525. Their resumes are not going to be earth-shattering when you look at the rest of the country. So I think if you're an Atlantic region fan on the men's basketball side, take care of those automatic bids. If you are a fan who has no chance, obviously, you got to take care of the automatic bids. But if you're at the, in the middle of, that, of those regional rankings, go win the automatic bid because I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of bids coming out of the Atlantic. And to be honest, I don't think there's going to be a lot of bids coming out of the East either. Um, but we'll learn more, obviously, when Wednesday comes along as well. Let's take another break. When we come back, we'll head to the West Coast. Linfield could literally upset the apple cart, and I'm using the apples in, on purpose with the Northwest Conference. Linfield plays both wits coming up this weekend and they could kind of shake things up a little bit they can't get number one in the conference tournament but they could get number two and that could change the equations just a little bit we'll talk to coach rosenberg coming up about all of that you listen to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca nabc studios your questions coach rosenberg and plenty more and still ahead
College has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests, and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday evening. Here's a quick programming note. When we're done talking to our next guest, we'll take another break. When we come back, it's nothing but answering your questions, should you have some. So send them to us. Uh, email, it's hoopsville at d3sports.com. Twitter, at d3hoopsville, or hashtag hoopsville. You can send them on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show, or YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Um, Jack's got a wonderful question. I do want to get to it about who, what I think is the most interesting conference tournament in each region. I will get to it. Uh, it just takes a little more work than I, than I had uh, on top of my hands at the time. 
Um, all right, so let's talk about what could be an interesting conference tournament, the Northwest Conference. They're not done with a regular season, of course. But we do know that Whitworth will be the number one seed due to their win over Whitman at Whitman. I don't remember the last time that happened, but that did happen. I watched that game late thanks to the Whitworth women and Whitman women going into overtime. Um, but the number two spot is still up for grabs. Linfield plays both wits this weekend. They'll start with Whitman, and if they beat Whitman at home, they'll be at home for the semifinals. So there's a lot on the line, as they say, to talk about it and discuss more about it. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline via Skype, it's Shannon Rosenberg, <laughs> the head coach of aforementioned Linfield. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for tuning in. Great backdrop. Uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet, Dave. Great to be here with you and uh, excited to talk about our team in the upcoming uh, weeks weeks ahead. Absolutely. L let's just start with the simple <clears> fact <throat> that you guys, all in all, have had a pretty darn good season that's probably been outshone or, or covered up, as it were, by the wits as, well, come on, it happens all the time, right? Um, two losses in the, at, at the end of December to St. John's and, Louis, and Louisiana College. And then two losses to Whitman and Whitman. Yes, you had the loss earlier in the year to a pretty darn good Redlands team as well. But for the most part, you guys have been kind of humming along. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, I think we're playing our best basketball right now. And, uh, you know, we've had, uh, you know, we, like most teams, we went through some growing pains, I think, uh, early on kind of finding ourselves and had a whopper of a game against a great St. John's team um, that I really felt could have gone either way and, um, but our team is playing fantastic basketball right now, and uh, we have a tough situation as the lone wolf in our league playing uh, the two wits with the Saturday team resting Friday. But we're, uh, we're eager to take that on, and, and it's nice to be home. With the, the fact that you guys have been uh, playing well, and yes, actually challenged yourselves a little bit, because again, you had that St. John's game at home, we should point out. Um, it's interesting because both St. John's and St. Thomas came out there. You got to play St. John's. The fact that that was a 69-62 game, that had to give you guys a ton of confidence, even though it was a loss, heading into the season or into the break. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, they're an excellent team, we, uh, excellent program, and we, we changed uh, leads. It was a great basketball game. It was a high-level game, I thought, for that time of year. I mean, it was a, a very cleanly played game, and – um, you know, it's always good to measure yourself, I think, against uh, the best teams, especially when you believe that you've got a great team yourself. And uh, we get that opportunity in our conference every year with uh, Whitman and Whitworth. And um, this is going to be no different this year with the, another challenge. And, and until we kind of we've been knocking on the door now three to four years and, um, you know, we're just we're eager to break break through and feel like we've got a great team to be able to do that. Yeah, this team's a long way from when it was four and twenty-one in the twenty fourteen fifteen season, uh, eleven and fourteen to follow that. Then above five hundred and stayed above five hundred. Been competitive in the conference, uh, but last season six losses in the conference. At worst, and, and just to play devil's advocate, it's four losses this season. That's got to be a tremendous step for you guys in terms of where you want to put this program. Absolutely. I mean, we want to be competing at the top of the league every year, and. Uh, I, I can't give enough credit to my assistant coaches and, and the players we've had that have, you know, blood, sweat and tears to really, I think, make what we're doing uh, important. I think it's uh, people are proud of the program and the product we put on the floor. I know I am. 
and uh, there's great energy around our, our program right now. And, um, you know, it's just it's the, the type of things that you set out as a coach, especially when you inherit um, a difficult situation uh, to grow into and then be able to compete at the top year in, year out with uh, in an excellent uh, conference against top notch, uh, you know, national competition. Um, we enjoy that and, and we're glad to be a part of it. You guys had those kind of four years of four or five win seasons. You came in the middle of that. But I remember, I mean, we saw Linfield at the D3Hoops.com Classic prior to your tenure. And then I think your first season, you, you, got, you had the trip to, to, to our event. And I remember we all left going, okay, they're not maybe going to win as many games as, as they'd hope. But we've already seen a change. But how long did it take everybody to buy in? Or how long did it take everybody to figure out, yeah, there has been a change and we are going to be good? Well, I think it's a great question. I think in Division Three, it's a slow-moving process. And it has a lot to do with getting the right people on board, uh, you know, inculcating the right habits, the right attitudes um, on and off the court. And to establish, I know the word that's used, I think, you know, overly used these days is, is culture, but effectively you're, you're creating an identity, which I prefer, uh, which really is your players are an extension of what you value and how you do things on and off the court. And you, I think we've been able to stick with that and fortunate to recruit some excellent young men and um, really stay the course. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's paid off and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of what you set out uh, with your goals as a staff and a coach early on. And, um, to get through those early years for any coach and anyone that's been through that, and I almost think it should be a necessity for all coaches to go through that at some point. I often say when you take over a program, you either inherit a Ferrari or a Pinto. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when you get that Pinto and you're trying to turn it into a Ferrari, it's a lot more difficult than, than you think. But, uh, I'm real proud of our kids that have persevered and have gone through the, the growing pains. Uh, and now our guys, of course, that have um, had that paid forward to them and are playing great basketball. Let's talk a little bit about this weekend. Yeah, I, I, obviously, it's tough to play back-to-back games, though you're at home. So that's an advantage, per se. Last time you played this, this set, it was back at the end of January, 24th and 25th. You first played at Whitworth in a barn burner, 98-95, unfortunately, was a loss. The next night, Whitman, 99-82. Maybe we can chalk a little bit of that up to the fact that you're playing back-to-back games and lost a heartbreaker the night before. Now you'll play Whitman first. Do we take anything from those two games? I know you're using them for for prep work, but can we take any of those two games back in January and, and be able to figure out what we might see this weekend? Or is it a new kettle of fish, as it were? Yeah, I think it's a little of both, maybe. I mean, we're a better team. Um, you know, I, it's tough for me to measure w- what they are. I think they're, they're two excellent teams. Um, but I know we're better and, uh, certainly you learn from those games and you, most teams tendencies and, and, you know, things that they are do as the integral to their success. They don't change that much in the back half of conference. There might be a new out of bounds player, a new wrinkle here and there, but most of us are kind of maintain the same, uh, you know, practice, uh, through the second half. And so we know it's coming and, and we've prepared well for that. And our guys are feeling really good. I, I mean, I think the most important thing is, is like most coaches believe that, you know, we're just focusing on getting better week to week. And we've done that. And I think that's been evident in the way we've handled our competition through the last three weeks and 
Uh, I'm confident our team's put ourselves in a great position to have, you know, as good a performance as we could possibly have. When you look at, is it a topic, I should say, that the fact that you're playing Whitman first and coming up tomorrow on Friday, and that that game could end up probably giving you the, the two seed and shaken up, as I've been jokingly calling it, the apple cart, because I am I know it's the Northwest of the United States, um, <laughs> yeah. and throw a, a wrench into everything here and probably be home for the semifinal. Is that a topic of conversation you guys are having, or are you no. trying to not have it? No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you run away from it. it. It is what it is. I mean, I think that, you know, everyone knows that we're playing next week, regardless of the outcomes this True. weekend. You know, I think the guys, what they're most excited about is we have an opportunity to be regular season co-champs. So we win True. both games. We're co-champs with, with uh, Whitworth, and uh, that's real exciting. That's something <laughs> that hasn't been done, done here in a long time. And, yeah. you know, what the tiebreaker formula is, et cetera, that ends up with that seed for the, the tournament, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's we're not shying away from being excited about it. Of course, the schools, uh, you know, we're doing a, a bunch of wonderful things to hype the game up and, you know, make it a – I think it's going to be a sold-out, crazy environment, which is great for our kids and our program and our community. And uh, we've got just a wonderful place here in McBenville, Oregon, and, and Linfield, soon-to-be university uh, next year, and just a fabulous college. So for everyone to be able to celebrate uh, and come together and – and uh, commune and, and enjoy this competition with both our team and the women's team vying for, you know, playoffs and postseason. It's a great time to be a Wildcat, and it's it's wonderful to be a part of this with Linfield University. Yeah, I mean, we're used to football being successful. We're used to other programs at Linfield being successful. It's great to see both basketball programs in the mix. Um, by the way, if you win one or both games, is Kelly Bird shaving the mustache? <laughs> Only if he lets me hold the razor. <laughs> Ooh, who's going to hold him down? It's the question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to happen under any any circumstance. But sure. listen, any extra motivation that pushes us over the top, we'll take it. I know this is back in December of 2018, but you guys got a huge win over Ramapo at our at our event in Vegas, the D3Hoops.com Classic. Is that the kind of game, along with whatever you do in conference? And, and what and the game against St. John's, for example, as well. But is that the kind of game, the result against a Ramapo team who ended up pretty good that season, got all the way to the Final Four? Is that the kind of win that you look at and go, guys, we can be this good? No, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. We played, you know, we played Nebraska Wesleyan last year at home, and uh, we were, I believe, up nine at halftime, and uh, we ended up losing by seven or eight or something like that, and. And just a whopper of a game, just a fantastic basketball game, both teams. I really felt the St. John's game was the same way. Two excellent teams playing high-level basketball. Um, and how, what's not to enjoy about that? And we we want to measure ourselves against the best competition we could find. The problem is, you know, and I'm sure most coaches have spoke to this, that we're so limited with our resources and what we can do. I mean, I enjoyed the D3 Hoops tournament immensely. It, it broke our bank, but I – but I enjoy it immensely, and um, and I would love to return. And I any chance we have to, to play uh, nationally uh, national competition or programs in general that are you know well coached or well esteemed, uh, we invite that, and uh, we love the competition. Keep breaking the bank, coach. We love having you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let's see here. Let's talk about this squad a little bit more individually. Um, I, for his, for where you guys are, not a not a knock at these guys, but I'm surprised I don't see more than four seniors. Uh, and I know there's you know been a little bit of change and stuff, but you have four seniors, and then it's a bunch of juniors and a handfuls of sophomores. It feels like, well, I guess I felt like it was going to be more senior dominated. Is, is that a testament to the underclassmen? Yeah, we've, you know, I think in putting together a sustainable success, I think as a coach and program, we, we want to have talent in all of our classes. Uh, you know, we've got some really good talent in our, our younger classes right now and um, guys that could probably play more than they are, but our juniors and seniors who are dominating most of our minutes are playing really well. But obviously, if you want to sustain success, especially in a level where the transfer portal, you know, and the the being able to get the the, the mercenary type kid that, that you can pay to come in immediately and help you. It's just not an option. And we're so we're devoted to development and things that are bigger than, than basketball. And uh, we've got great kids that are great students that they're going to be wonderfully successful, you know, well after their basketball days. And, um, you know, so we, we're trying to, we want to do something that's sustainable that, that I think is holistic and, um, you know, balances our talent and uh, continues to grow through through development and uh, you know our and these kids growing into leaders. And right now, the, I can tell you that you know we play three seniors uh, predominantly, uh, but all four of those guys have just been outstanding leaders for our program uh, for our younger guys. No condescension, no clicks, none of that stuff exists in our program. And I, I couldn't be more proud and and really uh, pay tribute to that because of our our upperclassmen. Well, part of that, though, and part of that underclassmen is the fact that one of those seniors is in your top five in scoring and the five guys being in, in, in double figures. You have uh, Dempsey Rogenberg, who is, uh, what, a junior, I believe. Um, Grant Gibb, who's a freshman. By the way, uh, Rogenberg, uh, 17 and a half points a game, 12 points for Gibbs. Atencio, Tanner Atencio, 11 and a half points a game. Aaron Bond, um, not Aaron Boone, New England guys, it's Aaron Bond. Uh, 11 points a game and 10 and a half for Will, for Will, uh, Burghardt. And the senior on that team is Atencio, the McMill, Mc, ah, McMinnville, Oregon grad, but the rest is underclassmen. So obviously a, the seniors are willing to step aside and let these other guys shine and B you've got a lot of great talent below them. Absolutely. Austin Hilton's a senior and, and Grant is young. We have two Gibbs, Gibb brothers. On our team, the older is a senior, younger is a freshman. I, I went on record the other day saying the younger one's going to be better than his older brother. Yeah, but is. you're right. We we've got some we've got some guys that uh, uh, you know can do a number of things in these classes. And I think for any coach, that's what you'd like. And I think it's a prerequisite, really, if you're going to sustain uh, success in in Division Three, because you just don't get the the kickbacks and the you know you have to kind of get fortunate to be able to get that that next level, so to speak guy that also is going to fit into your academic and your kind of character uh, identity slash culture that, that, you know, that that's a good fit for you and that kid. So we're, we're very fortunate to have the group of guys we have. And I think it, it, you know, it, it certainly is, uh, uh, looks good for our future as well. Uh, not surprisingly, you've got players from Oregon, Washington, California. I'm a little worried though. Aiden Fazakerly looks like he's lost. He's from Auckland, New Zealand. Did did he somehow flip the globe in his head or something? <laughs> well, he was actually at a 
a prep school of sorts in in Las Vegas, uh, and that's that's when we first <laughs> made contact. It's uh, wait, hold on. I, I can't help but laugh when you say that, Dave, because if you actually, I'm laughing at the prep school in in Los Angeles <laughs> or in Las Vegas. If you actually knew knew Aiden, uh, he may appear to be lost at times. That's for sure. But he's he's a beautiful young man and uh, really an inspirational young man, and um, we love him. And uh, he his every bit of uh, Kiwi that he's brought to our program has been nothing but positive. I have a cousin who who now lives in New Zealand, married to a Kiwi. I I love New Zealand outside of, outside of everything America's Cup. I don't like New Zealand when it comes to the America's Cup. A little insight <laughs> for you, those who don't know me very well. Uh, he's got a smile that's Kiwi. Yeah, for me, yeah. comes across strong Kiwi. Uh, but you he's gotta one see of those him. Do, I gotta see him do a haka. Oh. Oh, does he do one? Oh yeah, he's got oh. the whole rugby haka, that whole dance. I mean, he's he's you better believe it. Oh, do he's, you, is he going to break that out for Senior Day? <laughs> I'm tuning in if he breaks it out. If he's if he's doing that for Whitworth, I am tuning in. <laughs> I, I probably should have had our whole team do it. That would have been quite quite the. You got uh, time? You've got time? You got 48 hours? Let's go! This would be awesome. I would. Oh man, that would that would be killer. That'd be that'd be viral. Just saying, Coach. I got some ideas. I got some ideas. I like it. Uh, obviously, it's win or get into the tournament for the NCA side of things. It doesn't look like an at large is even within the realm of possibility. So be it. You guys have known that on the Northwest Conference to get. Uh, it's one thing to break it all up and have craziness for the tournament. How much would it mean to win it? Well, it'd be tremendous. I mean, obviously, to win the the conference and. Or you know, or be a co-champ, have that opportunity, and then you know, potentially next week, you know, we're going to have another shot at that automatic bid. I mean, what the route is and where we're playing um, is really you know less important than having our team in the best you know place possible to vie for that. But it, like I said before, we're we're knocking on the door, and if we can kick it down and get there and take the next step for our program, I think it it enhances everything, and it's great for the college. It's great for the, our alumni. It's, it, it, it's great for recruiting. I mean, it's great for a lot of things and, um, you know, and, and for our terrific institution and the people here that care so much about Linfield and our student athletes and really for our kids at the end of the day. And, you know, and, and they, they, you know, you want everything that they could possibly uh, deserve or earn or merit. And, and I've got such a beautiful group. Um, it would mean the world for me to be able to ha- them to earn that or have that opportunity because uh, I think that highly of them. You're on one of the key routes from Portland to the coast, so it's not that hard to get to Linfield from Portland, but you also have one of the more gorgeous coasts on the, in the United States. How, much, how, how hard is it not to get in the car, head over the mountains, and head to the beach? Yeah, it's we're in, we're in uh, you know, everyone's got their God's country, but this is really great here. I mean, I think... McMinnville, Oregon is one of the best kept secrets in the world. I would, it's a fabulous town, a beautiful region, beautiful people. Um, I mean, part of what attracted myself to this job and my wife and family was just, we fell in love with the community and the, and the college. And, uh, it's just a wonderful place. It's really utopian kind of college town and, uh, you know, an eclectic and a diverse community. And, uh, we've got great leadership here and, I've had kids from all over that just love it. And yeah, we're 45 minutes from some of the most beautiful coastline in the world. And we're, you know, amidst 300 uh, world-class wineries and food and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's just, it's just great kind of small town 
America living and, uh, and Oregon is just an amazing state and uh, we love it here. I may have grown up in Chicago, lived on the East Coast, but my sister and her husband and my brother and his girlfriend live in the Portland greater area. And so we went out there for my sister's wedding and we got our first chance to visit blown away. Um, and now I make sure to have some uh, Zinfandel, not Zinfandel. Um, what is the Pinot. wine from you guys, your neck of the woods? Pinot Noir is Pinot. a big one. Yes, I have yeah. a few bottles of uh, of Oregon Pinot that I always enjoy. So uh, I'd love <laughs> to be out there. I don't know if I can get out there to live, though. I don't know if I can con all the right people into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd, we'd welcome you. We, we, we welcome uh, all folks here and. Uh, and I think, you know, our, not only the, the college, but the town, just an amazing place. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing all of our students in the stands and, and creating chaos this weekend. It's just going to be a marvelous environment for all of us. And, uh, we're excited as heck. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a great environment. I look forward to actually tuning in. And if you are going to shave Kelly Bird's mustache, or you are going to get a haka, I want to see video so we can show it Sunday. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just, just need the video. I just need the video. All right. No pressure. Uh, coach, appreciate the time. Really do, especially via Skype and, and time away from the team as, as you gave us. Uh, we always give the coach the final word. And any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, I, first of all, I, you know, like, and I, when I was fortunate enough to do this with you a year ago or so, I really appreciate all that you do for division three basketball. I think it's a, uh, you know, in many ways, an overlooked level, but I would also call it one of the most uh, pure and and uh, you know honest and and kind of uh, uh, committed level. These these young men and women that, that play in Division Three, they care and they they devote and they commit as much as any student athletes at any level in our country. And we really appreciate the the attention and bringing that forward for all of our schools uh, around the country and. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, beyond that, we look forward to Lin Linfield basketball rising and, and being able to represent our outstanding institution and uh, with class and in the best way we can moving forward. And uh, appreciate you having us here. Well okay. said. Appreciate the kind words. I know the team appreciates it as well. Good luck. Have fun. And we'll talk to you somewhere down the road. Thanks, Dave. You take care. Absolutely. Shannon Rosenberg joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline taking time out of the team, and I really appreciate him doing so. Appreciate him taking it and joining us here. We'll take a break. When we come back, answer some of your questions and wrap up the show. You're listening to Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. 
It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. If you've got any questions, you can also send them via Twitter or via, well, Twitter. Yeah, we mentioned that. Facebook at D3Hoopsville slash Hoopsville. Let me try that again. I'm distracted with something I'm trying to do over here. All right. Twitter at D3Hoops, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Simulcasting the show on those last two, for example. Um, I was about to tweet out, basically what I got distracted in, was about to tweet out the fundraising campaign. No movement on it tonight. Seems like Thursdays are the non-fundraising nights for everybody tuned in. Uh, we're halfway to our new goal, and I warned everybody we were going to be at this new goal as of tonight. Uh, so we're trying to raise 7,500. We're at 3,700. If you've donated, thank you very much. means the most to me. Um, if you have not, 
I'm about to tweet out a note, though talking and doing that at the same time is a little tough. And I'll put it on the Facebook stream as well, along with the YouTube stream. But what I will add is uh, share it with your friends if you've also t- donated already or, or colleagues or whatever who enjoyed Division Three basketball. This helps Hoopsville, not the D3 hoops in large. And, and that's not a takeaway from Pat and Gordon, all them. Uh, this is just to help our efforts with Hoopsville. By the way, I, wa- I want to say this because I feel sometimes a little bit um, awkward about it. A lot of people thank me for my efforts with Hoopsville and combine that with the work on the website. Please understand, as I do some work on the website, but Pat, Gold, Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott are the true heavy lifters on the website. Ryan obviously writes a lot of articles. Um, Pat and Gordon do a lot of the recaps. Um, I'll help when I can, though this year has been a little bit hard for me due to other things I've got going on, like my health. Um, but, you know, score updates and some small things here and there. But those guys do the heavy lifting on the D3 hoop side, and I do what I can to help. Uh, I do the show, and that's kind of my role. So I appreciate the thanks, and that's why I say the crew will appreciate that too. I'm talking about Gordon, Pat, and and Ryan, uh, even others who help us when when the, the going is, is rough or we need some extra hands-on, like the Adam Turs or the Frank Rossies of the world. Um, those guys certainly help out when we need it as well. So just as we help them out with football when it's needed. So uh, I just wanted to make sure I kind of got that off my chest a little bit. I really appreciate the thanks, but I can't take all the credit for the website. That's Pat and the rest of the gang. I do my part to help with it. Uh, by the way, side note, speaking of Pat, uh, Ryan Scott has now tabbed the Catholic v. Goucher games as the D3Hoops.com Derby, or Darby if you say it properly, uh, as Pat is a Catholic grad. I'm a Goucher grad. Last night, Gophers won at home in my in my regular season finale as PA announcer uh, for this year. Uh, they won 86-70. Trust me, the score was not that close or that far away. It was far closer. Well, a couple minutes left in the game. That was a couple-point game. Strange quirk for me. I've been PA announcing now at Goucher for 25 seasons. Um, I had to announce the score for about five minutes of the contest. The console that ran the scoreboard it's a nevco not a huge fan of nevco but if they're a sponsor i'm a huge fan they're an advertiser i'm a huge fan of nevco but more importantly the the console just started shorting out i guess or something apparently it's a problem they may have had in the past i hadn't seen it before um but it wasn't taking score inputs it wasn't even taking foul inputs so for a while there i was announcing the score when appropriate um as a pa announcer after a made basket not everyone but every couple uh, during a, a stoppage in play or whatever. Uh, even the officials seemed to enjoy that because I think they knew the coaches would settle down and the fans would settle down if someone was at least giving the score. Remember, the scoreboard is never official. Just for the record, it's never official. Scoreboard is never official uh, when it comes to, to score, fouls, timeouts, you name it. Um, but it's still made for an interesting moment. I, I've I've counted down the stopwatch for shot clocks uh, on announcing before. I never had to do the scoreboard. Um, we got some advice. Uh, we'll get to some questions here in a minute. We got some advice from Drew when it comes to wrestling goes wrestling advice. As I'm not sure, you know, from other sports, if you, if you're doing PA, don't do play by play. Don't say two point takedown or three point near fall, et cetera, while they're still wrestling in the period, my pet peeve. So Drew, first off, I will not be doing PA announcing. I'll be doing, um, play by play though. Interestingly enough. And by the way, this dates back to the beginning of the show, folks. Um, I'll be at Navy on Saturday night after doing two basketball games to do wrestling. 
against Army. I didn't throw that in. It's Army Navy Wrestling, by the way. Um, I'll be doing play-by-play. But you're no bad. And, and I think I had to turn down an opportunity to do play-by-play because I was booked some or a PA for wrestling because I was booked somewhere else. But my point being, I tuned into some Big Ten matches recently just by chance. It was Penn State, Ohio State, and then it was Iowa, Minnesota. And I heard the PA announcer announcing score when someone would get a two point or when someone would get three or four points for a near fall or when they would. I heard some of that getting announced. So I don't understand it's a pet peeve of yours, but I was under the impression that that is something a PA announcer does do in wrestling. Just a note. Don't shoot me. I'm sure I'll get a text message from a friend of mine who's listening to the show who also has wrestling on whether he does it. Um, He does say more serious question. Why are there nine central region ranked women's teams and eight uh, regional men's teams in the central? Why the difference? Well, it comes down to two things. One, I don't believe there's any, any, there's no single sex schools in the central region. No, there are. Oh, darn it. I know the MIAA has an all women's school, but I don't think anybody else has. So let's just, Let's call things all even that the numbers are identical. And I, I could look it up here in a minute. Um, the committees request how many they want ranked. Um, is the easy answer to that. Um, and I would say that apparently the men are okay at eight, have not requested to go to nine. It's a percentage. I think it's between 16 and 24% of the region can be ranked. Uh, and so if you... You know, that's why the, I think we see this in a few places, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm actually double checking. I'm cheating on how I do it. Oh, yeah, because we have Alverno. Alverno women um, is single sex. And so we have one or two extra women. And so that might be part of it is the fact we have a couple extra women's schools. So the percentages kind of skew to give the, the women an extra bid there. I don't know the breakdown specifically because I'm not going to do the math right now. But technically, it could be different because. It's a it's a ratio between 16 and 24 percent. So the men are probably fine at eight and the women want it at nine with the regional ex- expansion that I talked about uh, earlier in the show, which is now passed the championships count committee and may. Um, um, well, it's not may, but when the change well, probably will pa- pass the management council, but then gets put into place. One of the things I think is going to be key is where do they draw the line on how many teams get ranked? In my opinion, I think the fewer ranked, the better. The reason I say that is, let's say we take the the max at 24%. Well, we could have regions still getting eight ranked, let's say. I'm making some of these numbers up. So now we have eight by 10. That means 80 teams ranked. The results versus region ranked opponents number, I think is going to get a little bit flooded. Uh, uh, not Not even muddy, but just too many. So I'd almost rather see us go to maybe six. Five? I don't know what the exact numbers will be. It's part of the conversation we'll have on Sunday's show with our guest about this. But I think we want to keep that results versus regionally ranked opponents number somewhat manageable and understood. Remember, when we went to once ranked, always ranked, and it survived one season and then was dead, I think was it Randolph-Macon had all but two games ended up being against regionally ranked opponents because someone got ranked in week one and then disappeared and Someone get whatever, and Randolph had like twenty of their twenty-five, um, and we found a f- we found that was too many. It didn't give us any good data. Um, I think it gave us too much data, if that sounds right. But it, it 
it just made it too overwhelming to break that that number down. And remember, it's results versus. It's not a win-loss percentage. They're just looking at the results, and they're looking at who you played. So I'd almost rather see when we break the 10 regions, let's say we're five or six per region so that we keep that results versus region ranked as as a true carrot or as a true number in terms of respectable. Hey, you had seven games against regionally ranked opponents. That's pretty solid. Versus, hey, you had 15 games against regionally ranked opponents. Okay, what do we have to do with that? Uh, just just a little bit of a note. Um, so there you go. There's my take on that. Um, I told you I'd get that text message. Here it is. Only announce a score as a PA announcer at Wrestle at wrestling if the scoreboard isn't working. Oh, either either you're being funny, sir. I, I'm kid you not. Tune into Big Ten Wrestling, folks. They're announcing points. I kid you not. I, I heard it. Heard it loud and clear. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but they were doing it. Anyway, there you go. Um, all right. So, Jake. No. Jack. Jack had a good question I want to get to here. Um, says, what is the most interesting races um, in, in conference tournaments, I should say, in each region? So here's what we're going to do. I don't know if he wanted um, men or women. Um, I'm going to go with men. Maybe women will do on Sunday. How's that sound? So on the men's side, um, I'm going to go in the order we have them on our website, which is Northeast Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic, South, Great Lakes, Central, etc. In the Northeast, obviously, we have the most conferences. Um, I, th- I think the easy answer can always be uh, the NESCAC, but let's just let's just give it a whirl. Um, I mean, the NESCAC's always topsy-turvy and crazy. I'm certainly leaning that way, though I'm very intrigued by the NUMAC race this season. I think for the rest of these teams, it's, it's a win-or-get-in type scenario, and so doesn't give us a lot of information. Um, the NESCAC is going to result in, well, one, we always have upsets. Two, the home team, which is going to be Tufts this year, hosting the NESCAC tournament after this weekend. Now, the home team doesn't always win these things. Actually, it's it's become more rare. Uh, and I don't think Tufts necessarily is the best team in the NESCAC. So I think the NESCAC, probably on the men's side, it's an easy answer, though NUMAC would be my my second choice there. The way Springfield's playing, but Babson's a threat, WPI's a threat, and you never know if a, a sleeper comes out of that one. So that's that's the Northeast, in in my opinion, in terms of the best race. In the East region, we'll go to next. Um, there's not as many regions, obviously, here. Uh, you've got the uh, or the conferences. You've got the Empire 8, the Liberty League, the SUNYAC, and the NEAC. Um, SUNYAC's probably my, my choice here. Too many good teams deep in in the ranking or in the seedings that are going to be good. Um, I, I certainly intrigued on whether RPI and Hobart make the tournament um, if they don't get the AQ. But I think the Suniac's the most interesting race on the east side of things, in the men's side. Um, Atlantic region, you have the CUNYAC, the CSAC, the AEC, the MAC Commonwealth, and the NJAC. Um by the way, hats off. John Jay continues to win after we had their coach on the show, Ryan Highland. Just want to point out 20 and 5, 13 and 1. They've won one, they've lost one game since the January 10th. Um, they're on a large winning streak there. 
Uh, I think the race for me in this one's going to be probably the NJAC. The NJAC is always a deep conference. We always get upsets. But I think, I mean, there's teams like New Jersey City, who's 13 and 12 this season, 10 and 8. The 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 Tony see the Tony career is going to end on a on a sour note if they don't make a run through the tournament. Um, and they are, I think, going to be the sixth seed. Maybe well, they might be as high as a four seed. I don't know. I don't know how the the it all breaks down. They're in a three way tie with Rowan, Rutgers, Newark, and New Jersey City. But Stockton's tied with New Jersey at TCNJ at the top, and then there's Ramapo. But the NJAC always presents the most interesting races. So. In the Atlantic, I think it's going to be the NJAC that's going to be the most fascinating. Uh, in the um, Mid-Atlantic, it's the Mac Commonwealth, the Landmark, the CAC, and the Centennial. Mac Commonwealth always presents surprises, but you're only going to get one team out of that anyway, most likely. Um, maybe an outside chance Widener gets there. Um, in the C- in the Landmark, again, it's going to be probably a one-trick pony. CAC is interesting, but I think it's a two-horse race. And the Centennial, you could see some 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 twists here and you could see Swarthmore knocked off so I'm going to go with the Centennial um Swarthmore is going to be hosting it Johns Hopkins Haverford Muhlenberg Ursinus and Washington College are going to be in it I don't know if Gettysburg or Franklin Marshall can make a, a last minute play into getting into that tournament um 5v4 or I'm sorry no they can't because Ursinus and Washington College are tied for five Five plays four, and then the top three get buys, which, man, I'd really wish they'd change that. But I think there's a chance of an upset in that one. CAC, I think it's Christopher Newport or York. Uh, in the landmark, it's not exciting me this year, um, to be honest. And I'm close to the landmark. It just doesn't excite me this year whatsoever. Um, and the Commonwealth, yeah, not exciting me either. So the Centennial would be my choice. Uh, in the South, you got a bunch of races that are going to be worth tuning into. Absolutely. Um, the SCAC race, uh, you've got St. Thomas of Texas on top of the conference, though they can't win the AQ, and then it's everybody else. That's not going to be as great a race, though Austin Ruse could get into the tournament, so could the centenary of Louisiana. ASC, or the, I'm sorry, you, I'm jumping the gun. USA South, um, I think it's been a little undersung because it hasn't been as strong as in year past. So it's maybe it's going to be a good race. I think it's worth tuning into. Um, the ASC is going to be fascinating. You got Texas, Dallas, East Texas Baptists, who are all playing pretty decently. Laterno's playing well. That's all on one side of things. And then Saul Ross is kind of walking away with the other side. But you could get a sleeper like a Mary Harden Baylor who just kind of wakes up in the ASC. SAA, center's got a win to get in, in my opinion. Um, and the SAA is always ripe for an upset, but the ODAC's always my money. ODAC's always my money. They play at the Salem Civic Center. Uh, I think the men this year is Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. The women are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but don't quote me. I could be wrong. I might have it flipped. Uh, Randolph-Macon is the number one seed, but how many times has the number one seed not been the ODAC winners? It's very likely to happen, and it's and you've got good teams. I mean, Roanoke had a big win the other night. Um I, I, the ODAC is always my pick, despite my frustrations with when they play on Sunday. It's always my pick for one of the, the more exciting and fun championship uh, tournaments and conferences uh, in the country, period. Uh, you go to the um, the Great Lakes now. Um, I'm probably I'm probably leaning on the on the NCAC. Uh, I don't think Wittenberg is as good as their record. I think I don't know if they can win the conference. 
Um, they've, they've taken losses before. I don't know. You, you've seen DePaul make miracle runs to a conference title before. Wabash certainly could try and prove that they their season was just unfortunately off, but they're good. Worcester, under their last head coach, or uh, <laughs> let me try that again, under the last season of Steve Moore, um, who's retiring after this year, um, may make one and make a statement. I don't know if Worcester can get in the tournament. Otherwise, it would be sad to see Moore go out like that. So that's probably my choice. The OAC is is heavy at the top with Mount Union and Marietta. The PAC, I don't know if it, I don't know. I, I my, my guess is the NCAC and the Great Lakes. Uh, Central region, geez, um, do I have to pick one? Uh, you got a bunch here that are going to be fun to watch. Um, and cl- yeah, you've got the the Midwest Conf, not the Midwest. You have the WIAC and the CCIW. CCIW is always a is just nuts. But can North Central hold on? Can Augustana make a surprise entrance to the tournament? Can Elmer's find its mojo again? Will Carthage make a deep run to get back into things after a tremendous first half of the season? Um, NACC top heavy Midwest conference, honestly, maybe ripping over St. Norbert into an upset, uh, Slyak. It's going to be interesting, but uh, I don't know. Midwest conference. Oh, I already mentioned that. And the WIAC, listen, the WIAC is always crazy. So if I had to take my pick over the CCIW, the WIAC, I think this year I'll take the WIAC, believe it or not, but it's a co-champ in the CCIW, to be honest. And then you head to the West. Uh, I think this race for me is going to have to be, listen, we just talked to Linfield in, in the race with the wits to try and win the conference. I think it's going to be interesting, but I don't think there's anything else interesting in that. So for me, it might be the Mayak race. Um, you got St. John's and St. Thomas on top, but I think Augsburg Bethel can't be ruled out. ARC really top heavy with Nebraska Wesleyan. Skyak worth tuning into. Pomona Pitzer, I think is, your best team there, but Claremont Mud Scripps could kind of try and find their mojo after losing it. They've lost three or last four, but I, I think I go with a Mayak race in the West. So there you go. We'll do the women's side on the other on Sunday. How's that sound, Jack? Please remind me because I might forget that. Um, checking emails real quick. See if we got any email questions. Randy Nelson says South ra- uh, rankings. I know you and your recent guests explain the logic of rankings. In spite of the explanation, could you again clarify as to why Emory nine and 19 and three is ranked first in the South region over Randolph Macon at 23 and one. Thank you. I greatly appreciate you. The program. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. All right. So this is going to come down to a couple of things. I'm going to quickly look at it because I'm not going to have all the data here, but first off, they both played Guilford. Um, let's see. I want to double check something here. Hold on. Calling up the South region data for me. I need to double check something with Randolph Macon. Bear with me. They played Guilford. Oh, they played Guilford coming up. All right. So with the last regional rankings, Emory's played two games against Guilford and split. One of them was a dominating performance and one was a buzzer beater win or loss. Uh, Randolph Macon has played Guilford. It it was a blowout win. So let's just look at that. So you're looking at common opponents. And I think the Guilford goes towards Emory because there is a, a blowout. And yes, there's a loss. But it's a it's a nail biter buzzer beater loss. I think the committee is going to look at that and go, that happens. Um, Emory won. Where did they win that game against Guilford at the beginning of the year? Um, oh, is that Guilford? So I think they take that and maybe they're giving the nod a little bit there. Randolph Macon beat Guilford uh, at Randolph Macon. So if if we're really splitting hairs, 
and just from my vantage point, I think they're giving Emery the nod in that scenario because they beat Guilford at Guilford or Randolph Macon beat him at home. Yes, Emery lost to Guilford at home, but we're waiting for this next result. For example, if Randolph Macon beats Guilford this weekend, there's a chance that just that alone will allow Randolph Macon to move ahead of Emory officially because they now have two wins, no losses. Emory's one and one. The committee can go, well, that gives us a, a deciding point towards Randolph Macon. That's that criteria. Um, win loss percentage, obviously, that's in Randolph Macon's favor 22 to one um, with a winning percentage of 957 versus. Uh, Emory at 864. So that's clearly, we're going to give that to Randolph Macon. Emory is 4-1 and one versus regionally ranked opponents. Randolph Macon's 4-0. and oh. Now you've got to play this game of who did they play and where were they ranked. I suspect, and this is off the top of my head, Emory's going to have the edge there for their two wins over Wash U. Um, Randolph Macon's wins over regionally ranked opponents. I'm quickly looking at their schedule, trying to remember Randolph regionally ranked opponents off the top of my head. I have the sheet here too. Um, Christopher Newport's a three. Um, what in the South region, they've got a win over Virginia Wesleyan at six and Washington Lee at eight. So my guess is that it goes Emory's way because they've got a win over Wash U, who in the central region is sitting at a two. That's two wins over a regionally ranked number two team. Yes, they've got a loss, but that's also another game. So that's where I think that goes in Emory's favor. By the way, the loss was to Brandeis, who's a nine. Um, anyway, so that's just off the top of my head. And then let's look at SOS. For Randolph Macon, it's a 515. For Emory, it's a uh, 567. Those numbers are polar, not polar opposites, but darn close. If polar opposites were here and here, this is Emory. This is Randolph Macon with a 515. Um, I'm a little surprised Randolph Macon's schedule or. Um, SOS isn't stronger than that, considering they're in the ODAC. So then the question becomes, if they went to um, non-conference SOS in the secondary criteria, in the Emory's got a non-conference SOS of a 506, which tells you their conference is boosting that big time. Randolph-Macon, well, that's there's better as a 535, which is surprising that the ODAC is pulling it that far down. So off the top of my head, win-loss goes to Randolph-Macon. Right now, comparable opponents, and I'm only using Guilford. There may be others. I'm giving it to, to Emory right now despite the loss. It's got to get through this weekend, and that changes. Again, if Randolph-Macon wins, I think it, it floods in Randolph-Macon's favor. SOS is all in Emory's favor. It's not even close when you're .05 separated. That's definitely... They're, they're .05... They've got a 565 and they're 19 and three. There's an argument to be said that Randolph Macon should be that good with an SOS of a 515. Um, so that's going to be in Emory's favor. And then the results versus regionally ranked. Two wins over Wash U, I think, gives Emory the nod there. Again, 
if Randolph Macon beats Guilford, I think it's a pick em in terms of who goes number one. And with a non-conference SOS that's better than Emory's, I think Randolph Macon could move into one by beating Guilford. That's just kind of my take on it, off doing it quickly. Um, there may be some other factors in there I'm not thinking about, but I hope that answers your question, Randy. Um, it's a good one. I think it's I think it's a decent one to ask. Um, but that's where you it shows you have to go so deep into the data to better understand it. I hope that makes sense, Randy. Thanks for the question. That was a good one. I think that's one we're going to be discussing for a little bit longer down the road as well. That's going to do it for our show, folks. I think I've answered all the questions. I will go to the women's tournaments um, next week or on Sunday. Sunday, reminder, we're going to be talking about regional expansion on this show. Uh, we'll have a guest in to talk about that. We'll also be talking, um, probably for the last time officially, we'll be talking uh, Northeast, Atlantic, I always forget the South and Central regions. We'll get guests from most of those on the show. And then we'll have Bob and, and, and Ryan back. Not sure what we'll talk about. I don't think we'll go as deep into the into the selections as again, because I don't feel, I think if we do it a second time, we might be beating the same drum, and I don't know if that's fair. We at least want to give you some new content. Maybe we'll present the question to them about what they think is the most fascinating conference races or tournaments. That's a good one. I, I like that question. Jack, I, I think it was Jack. Really good question. Thanks for the time. Remember to go to d3hoops.com for all the information you may need. Um, I will um, be tweeting out the campaign fundraiser here momentarily as we seem to be stuck on Thursdays on not raising any funds. Um, but we'll do that uh, here coming up right after the show goes off the air. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. I want to thank our guests especially um, on this show. Um because, well, if they don't come on the show, it's kind of hard to, to do the show. From Eastern Nazarene in our WBCA Center Court segment, uh, Sasha Santamano. From York Men's Basketball, Matt Hunter. From Nazareth, Kevin Broderick. And, of course, from Linfield, Shannon Rosenberg. I want to thank the SIDs from those schools as well. Uh, Kelly Bird and his assistant, Avi, uh, for their help regarding um, Linfield. Um, I want to thank, sorry, I'm double-checking names because I don't want to screw these up. Uh, Rob Rossi, uh, his help at Eastern Nazarene. Scott Geis at York College. Scott's always tremendous. I really, I really thank him for his help. I always appreciate the work he gives us. Um, and I'm forgetting one. Hold on. Oh, well, Kelly Bird, I mentioned, and, and Avi from Linfield. Scott, who am I forgetting? Oh, Eastern Nazarene, of course. Uh, or Nazareth, I mean. Uh, I want to thank, um, who is it there? I want to make sure I get it right. I don't want to screw it up. Joseph, Joe Seal. That's who it was. I want to thank all of them. I want to thank all the sports information directors for their help. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We'll have one more WBCA segment coming up on Wednesday or next Thursday. Um, we'll talk to, uh, we, well, we hope we'll be talking to Dixie Jeffers. She doesn't know that yet, but we'll be sending out the request. Uh, I want to thank our partners also at the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also want to thank um, Blue Frame Technology. If you want to either upgrade your streaming capabilities using Blue Frame Tech, uh, Blue production truck, I should say, um, or you want a, a better streaming platform that includes the Team One Sports uh, OTT app or Team One Sports website, uh, embeddable stuff and all that, go to blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Blueframe Technology is a partner of Hoopsville. We really appreciate them being our streaming platform and the sponsor of our hotline. If you do go to them and have questions and or use their products, 
please tell them we sent that sent you uh, toward to them because uh, it 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 helps to let them know where they heard it from, and we really appreciate the support that way as well. So tell them that I sent you, or you heard it on Hoopso. That's going to wrap it up. We'll be on the air Sunday at seven o'clock Eastern, then back on the air next Thursday at seven o'clock Eastern. And a reminder: in a week and a half time, we'll be on the air about six. That's still to be decided for sure, but we'll probably hit the air about six o'clock to start doing. Mock selections in men's and women's basketball as we try and figure out who is in the tournament. That's on March 1st. And then March 2nd, we will have a special show as well in the evening. We usually go right after the selection shows. That's insanity. We're not doing that this year. We'll do it at 7 o'clock that night on Monday, March 2nd, to break down the brackets before starting to turn our focus to the tournaments on Thursday, March, was it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th. That'll do it for Hoopsville, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You've been watching Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios in partnership with Blue Frame Technology. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here on Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Hope you enjoyed it, whether live or on demand or via the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Take care. See you over the weekend. Enjoy some good basketball along the way.